It's us. What's going on? Yet Satanic again. Study Hall. Yet you again. are stuck with us for, I don't know, how long are we going to go today? Um, hopefully like five minutes. <laughs> you got shit to do? I yeah. gotta pee. I always have shit to do. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to a new episode of Satanic Study Hall. And on this new episode, we are wrapping up a little project we've been working on. But before we get to that... Um, thank you for being here. My name is Bill. I am a member of the Satanic Temple, and today I am joined by... My name is Johnny Voorhees, and I am a member of the Satanic Temple as well. My name is Veronica, the Valedictorian, and I am strongly aligned with the Seven Tenets. My name is Father Al. Bless you, my children. Welcome, Al. This Welcome. is um, Al and Veronica and Johnny and me. We're developing a really good dynamic here. I think we are, too. I'm fucking excited. And, you know, when Dennis gets out of in-school suspension, and yes, Dennis is still record-breaking in-school suspension. Headmistress Olga can't get enough of him. Yeah. And, you know, what did you say that he was mounted on in the basement? Because was I it think, the Lucifer's Cross? I think it's a Lucifer's Cross. I, I saw some pictures. So... More on that later. I'm sure Dennis will fill us in when everything kind of goes on. He's but. in pain, but it's a good pain. <laughs> I hope it's a good pain. It's the sexy pain. I went by and laughed at him. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. I haven't been down there in a while. I threw a cheeseburger at him. You went off. You let him off easy. The oh, janitor shit. scares the shit out of me. <laughs> He's always down there. I can't fuck with him. All right. I so. got him off the floor. <laughs> Groundskeeper Willie. Mop, mop, mop. All day long. Mop, mop, mop. Will I sing that song? Uh, Adam Sandler. We tried using a little bit of Sandler in our first couple episodes, but that, uh, that mic feedback thing didn't go off so well no, for our didn't. principal announcement. No. So we listened to our listeners and we uh, switched it up. So what is Satanic Study Hall? Uh, there's a chance that there's some new listeners tuning into us today. So we will tell you that we are a podcast featuring a bunch of members of the Satanic Temple and just uh, Satanists and degenerates. We call it a rotating bench. We've got a lot of people in and out of class, and that's the way we like it. Uh, new perspectives, um, new opinions, and just new unique fuckery. We dive into news and entertainment and talk about pop culture-related stuff when it comes to Satanism. Satanism in news is a huge topic now, as you will learn later on in our episode when we talk a little bit about QAnon. QAnon's been everywhere, and presidential debates, all over the news, social media feeds. So we definitely have, um, we're going to dive into that a little bit after we tackle gray faction. But that's us. Um, there's some bullshit banter that will go on. Uh, we go off on crazy tangents, as we like to remind our listeners. So don't expect this to be report out sessions. A lot of our coverage is, some is some of it is in depth, some of it's, you know, high level, some of it's, you know, all over the place. But um, nonetheless, we like to have that nice little balance of uh, education and just fun in general. Yes, we definitely like to make it feel like you're in the room with us. Yeah, we're, a, we're not a news broadcast. Yeah, you know, it, we like exactly. A little bit of fun. Well said. Thank you. So if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or um, just want to interact with the cast, you can easily do that by emailing us at satanicstudyhall at gmail.com. You can also join our goat farm. 
And we're going to tell you more about that. But uh, we have an interactive Facebook group that has uh, really taken on a life of its own. We're so incredibly humbled by all the participation and content that's being added to our goat farm. But um, like I said, we'll, we'll expand on that a little bit more when we talk about our social media. We also have a Patreon with three levels for you uh, to donate to if you are so inclined to. Uh, one is a $3.33 tier, one is six sixty six, and the other is $20 a month at our VIP super fucking satanic level. Uh, we just picked up another one of them about a week ago. And every time I get that email, my head just shakes and I immediately hit up our group chat and be like, look, how does this keep happening? Um, (laughs) It's very humbling, everybody. Thank you very much. It is. It's it's fantastic. So thank you for everybody that's a part of the Patreon journey. Uh, We're trying to keep it fresh and updated as much as we can. I think we can can keep it up. We we pumped out some really funny shit. Yeah, we have <laughs> the last uh, the last couple. You know, of if, folks. if people start donating more, we can finally all afford those ADHD meds and won't go off on yeah. all those tangents. Yeah, I mean, that's true. The episodes might be not as fun, but they'll be more tolerable. Support our you know medication. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can itemize what our Patreon will go to for our to various <laughs> disorders. <laughs> yes, various is the key word. We'll all there. get the psychiatric help we so desperately need. Right, that too. So we've been talking about. Uh, a lot of stuff. We didn't do our Satanic Panic series consecutively. One, because if we did, I think about 20 to 30% of you would have been like, oh, I can't do this. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, first, we started about Satanic Panic in the 80s in our first part. Talked about the McMartin trial, Michelle Remembers, Dungeons and Dragons, and just the overall initial panic that, that happened um, in the early night, late 70s and early 80s. Episode 2. We talked about the Martinsville case and covered the West Memphis Three in some pretty big detail. Uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, I strongly suggest doing so. We had a lot of fun doing that, but there's a lot of information in the West Memphis Three. And anybody that's been through anything like the West Memphis Three is still relevant today. There were thousands and thousands of lives ruined. And we, we definitely tried to highlight that as best as we could. Here in part three, we are tackling gray faction. So we're kind of going 80s, 90s to more modern day and how the satanic panic is still relevant in today's world. So we're going to dive into gray faction, talk about what that is, some of the stuff that they're doing, uh, how long they've been around and just really kind of highlight some of the, the really cool stuff that they're bringing to light and how they're really, you know, trying to tear the walls of pseudoscience down. After that, uh, I believe we have our first book review. Uh, Veronica, the valedictorian, will be uh, debuting her book review segment. Excellent. And um, I'm fucking super excited. We even have a a new little theme song uh, to play for our listeners, and it's crazy relevant. Some of you that um, have been around the scene for a while might recognize (laughs) a little little bit of our intro, but um, that's the point. We try to have fun with it. And as we mentioned last week, we made some new friends over at Dark Art Depository. Uh, in case you didn't listen, Dark Art Depository makes some very, very cool occult and Satanist-themed stuff. Uh, they, you can find them at darkartdepository.com. And let me just tell you, um, pretty much everybody here in the room has some of Dark Art's yes, T-shirts and hoodies. And they are fantastic. I think we started out with... Be Kind, Hail Satan, which is one of the coolest designs I, I thought on his website. So we figured we'd get that one as a group. And then right now I'm rocking the Ave Satanis um, short sleeve tee. 
And right now I'm rocking the Hail Thyself short tea. And I am rocking the Friendly Neighborhood Satanist tea. And my t-shirt's actually in my mailbox at home. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get for being the most recent addition to the uh, the podcast uh, host crew here. Which one'd you get? I got the be uh, the be kind hail Satan. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, nice. Now, not only is Veronica's shirt hail thyself, I believe it's Baphomet on the back, right? Yes, it does. Yes, yes, it has has the Baphomet logo. I love it. It's so simple and so comfortable, and you know, awesome conversation starter. And I can also kind of just wear it around like mm-hmm. to work, and nobody suspects anything unless they ask me questions. <laughs> it's yeah, it's totally not overbearing. Me. It's totally me. I love it. The whole anti-social network thing is is fantastic, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about uh, Baphomet. Um, in the very near future here at Satanic Study Hall. But um, back to Dark Art. So Dark Art has an incredible line of stuff. So they have T-shirts and bottoms and shoes, swimwear, not exactly appropriate, but um, for this time of year. But, I mean, I'd I'd rock some swimwear. You know, don't they do those polar plunges? Mm -hmm. Go down to, like, Dover and do one of those polar plunges and some Satanic swimwear. Hot tubs. I can get down with that. Oh, there he is. I was wondering, he was late to class today. Do you make goat swimsuits, dark arts? Yes. Um, hit us up and let us know if you can make goat apparel. Tiny, tiny, baffinet goat apparel. <laughs> but more on that later. That's that's actually a really good idea. A clothing <laughs> line for the fucking baffinets. Do we have the uh, the horny goat weed yet? It's coming out. It's oh, coming. See, I keep leaving excited. it at my house. I'm hogging it all for myself, Al. You like the horny goat weed. It's some good stuff. Admit it. It's good stuff. And I believe Dark Art Depository across all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Rhett is also in our goat farm. So any of our goaties that are listening to us, um, you can always just hit up in the group. We've been sharing a lot of his cool designs in the goat farm. So thank you, Dark Art Depository. Um, Hail Hail Rhett. Hail Hail Rhett. Rhett. And Hail Dark Art Depository. Thank you. Yes. So outside of getting these fucking shirts, um, let's do what we normally do and go around this uh, little table and go around the room and see how everybody's doing. Veronica, how was your week? Packed. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember much of it. I remember hiking at some point. Um, I remember seeing Dickie Devil and the Deviants for the first time ever, and that was awesome. <laughs> That's Dickie probably what I remember most. Um, and no, I, I did go to... Um, a haunted house Sunday night. So that was also pretty cool. A little bit of change. Like they switched it up due to COVID procedure, but um, still had a lot of fun. Uh, I just need some sleep. <laughs> yeah. It catches up to you. I've been doing all these uh, the virtual headquarters and stuff, so I can totally relate. What about you, father Al? My week, well, actually my weekend was fucking awesome. Um, dinner with a college buddy of mine Friday night. Uh, Saturday was awesome. I'm not sure if anyone in the Philly area has ever heard of the, uh, uh, the Philadelphia oddities market went out there, checked out some awesome stuff, had a, actually met a couple Satanists out there, um, had about 30 or 40 vendors. It was packed. Yeah. Those um, pictures you posted in the goat farm, yeah, they were awesome. did put up some there, cool There's pictures. at least, yeah. I was jealous. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Got a little uh, heart with uh, Hail Thyself. Hey, Bill, you want to pop that out to show her? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I picked this up for uh, for our little uh, podcast studio here. But it was great. I mean, I dropped, uh, you know, name dropped Satanic Study Hall. I'm going to get in touch right with It's coming right out of the bag. You can hear it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Just hit the mic. <laughs> Sometimes the audio equipment is just too good. How's yourself? Oh, 
very cool. Yeah, we're going to put that up on the wall. It's a gift for all my favorite degenerates in the whole wide world. If the teacher lets us put it up in our little corner here. um, Who's that from, by the way? I'm going to post a picture of it in the Go Farm and on our social media. Our Dark Days. Yeah, check them out. They've got a ton of really cool handmade handmade shit. You had like these cleaned out like animal skulls. You had like creatures in formaldehyde jars. I mean, you had all these incredibly talented artists and designers and whatnot. And can't wait to get back uh, out there next year. That was pretty much it. You know, I just had to you know do some work, boo, over the weekend. Uh, but other than that, just you know, it's great. Things are starting to open up a little bit more. You know, I actually get out to, to meet some, hang out with some friends more often and stuff. So yeah, I think now is a safe time if you can safely get out and socialize safely within restrictions and following science. I do so because I'm a little nervous about these this cold weather coming up. Right. I think you're going to see a lot more outdoor events though. I think you're definitely going to see like uh, you know, more stuff outside, more Good. heated stuff. It, it's definitely people are going to want to get out there. The market's there. Oh, and and people are adapting for sure. Totally. I mean, well, the, the re- restaurant right near me, they put up um, like plastic around their outdoor deck. It's like boom! Now you have you know indoor seating during the winter. And the drive-in and, uh, theaters that have popped up and stuff. Not to oh, yeah. nerd out, but Pennsylvania is hitting peak foliage at least around our area soon and more of like central and western pennsylvania i think it's already at peak foliage so i went hiking this weekend if you can get outside and just get some air with people you like um at a safe distance you know go out and enjoy it before it gets freezing and (laughs) weird again (laughs) let's get weird oh boy (laughs) i didn't do it in the normal day i saved it what about you johnny let's get weird do we want to get weird let's get weird sure well, I mean, my weekend was pretty packed as well. Um, my weekend wasn't as fun as your guys' was. Me and my wife had to do research on um, landlords and what our rights are as tenants because apparently our landlord is a scumbag, and he doesn't want to try to help us out at all. So, I mean, that's what my weekend consisted of other than watching the fucking Eagles uh, lose yeah. again. Weren't they ahead at one point? Um, I don't believe so. I think they were behind the whole game. Uh, they actually came back, and but other than that, I mean, just this whole landlord thing has just got me all fucked up. Like, I'm sorry you know, to hear that. You know, You'll be fine, man. Yeah, but you know, life's got to go on. You know, I'm here. You know, I'm happy to be here. We'll just see how this rolls out. And you haven't gotten kicked out of class since episode two. And I love my wife very much for sticking by me. I'm glad you said that because I'm excited. She's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting next to both of us. Lyle, get off her lap. I just tapped him to make sure he said something about me. (laughs) Well, good. I'm sorry to hear that. But like I said, you'll persevere. I hope so. You'll be fine, man. We will. As a a non-scumbag business professional, I can say, you know, just hang in there, man. Yes, I'll probably definitely give me some good advice. So we'll, we'll look into that. Let's just say Father Al is very smart. In yes, a, he in is. A number of of different business areas. How about you there, uh, Daddy-O? Uh, me? I, if you haven't been able to tell, I probably sound like I'm, you know, congested as fuck. And I am, you know, just being congested and fighting all that and trying not to be miserable, you know, with the kids yeah. and whatnot. Changes into the season. You got to love it. Yep. But that was my biggest battle was trying not to be miserable and take it out on <laughs> people that, you know what I mean, <laughs> that didn't fucking deserve it. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> A lot of naps, but what I do want to say is this allowed me to spend 
two evenings at the Satanic Temple virtual headquarters. Yes, that's awesome. Which you were telling us a lot about periodically all throughout the weekend. Yes, it was fucking awesome. Um, so, you know, $13.33 got me in for both nights. And they're doing a whole week event, too. I mean, this is going to air well after the holiday and everything, too. But I, I definitely want to let anybody know that as they continue to do events, it is so worth it. Between the seminars and the workshops and the different rooms, I, I tell you, like, um, in between presentations, I got to go watch a live stream of bats. And then I could hop over to the aviary and watch owls in a live stream. Holy shit. And then I could go learn about goats. And then, then people were screen sharing like really funny old cartoons and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff in the bathroom. Uh, these different rooms, wow. yeah, that you can go into. But uh, you sounds know, like a good time. It yeah, does. It, Jesus, I'm working late Friday yeah. nights, and I could have been doing that. I mean, Lucian had a, a crazy cool seminar um, on Satanic Panic, and then I, you know, I learned about absinthe and the Satanic Chef Adam. Wow. That guy is a fucking rock star. Like the stuff that he makes and just his just demeanor and everything. Um, yeah, hail the satanic chef. I, I had a lot of fun, uh, and not not to mention with the, you know, the satanic temple TV. I dived. I just you know I haven't had time to to do it, but he's got he's got his own show on there as well. So there was just so much, and it was so well organized and like really shows like how people have adapted to this current environment that we're in not being able to have meetings like, you know, go to Salem and tour the temple or, you know, have a conference. But, you know, I think, you know, between the two nights there were well over, you know, 200 participants, Wow, um, like a hundred or so each night. And just, you know, there are some familiar faces. I got to know other people from that I've chatted with from Baffinette movie nights and like nothing bad to say, except and I'm sure they've gotten this feedback, but they, they play a sound. When somebody enters and exits a room, it's like this whooshing sound. Whoosh. Fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, like just get rid of the sound or, you don't know. Now, was Lucian actually on this? Did you yeah, get to chat with him? Well, he was in chat rooms and stuff, um, bouncing from room to room. Um, the night he presented, like we were in the same room, but I didn't chat with him that night oh, or okay. anything. There was, though, um, before, before I, you know, change the subject here, there was a really nice hashtag that came out of um, evening number two. Well, it started on Friday night, but... We we're talking about satanic panic and the McMartin trials mm -hmm. and Chuck Norris came up. Now, if you've listened to our satanic panic part one, we brought up, you know, the fact that Chuck Norris was identified by the children interviewed in the McMartin case, yep. um, you know, around like fucking witches and hot air balloons. <laughs> that was and, one of our tangents that we went off on. And then there was Chuck Norris. So, yep. uh, and Chuck Norris is kind of a scumbag as it is. Uh, but to put it out there, um, you know, hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris yeah, came out Chuck of this. And, I agree. Yeah, it ended up on Twitter and caught some steam and <laughs> got a lot of people like, what the fuck? And every school I went to, my kept popping up. And they said, oh, man. Ooh. And uh, I said, I've got to find out who they are. So I finally tracked them down and I went to their school. And I met uh, the father and... Uh, so I asked them if I could them, and they said, uh, uh, you know, very cordial. They said, of course, and uh, I was a black belt in judo, so I thought I had some pretty good skills. Anyway, I got on the ground with, and it's like I'd never had a lesson in my life. <laughs> he, he played with me, and then I worked out with for a while, and then uh, uh, said, uh, Chuck, let's you and I I said, okay, so we got, and I 
uh, got, got him down and I mounted him. And uh, he says, okay, Chuck, me. I'm going to you. He said, no, 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 me. So I brought my hand back. That's the last thing I remember. Next thing I know, I'm waking up from being unconscious. My throat, I could hardly swallow. He says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it so hard. But he says, I want you to stay here. He says, you got great potential. I can make you a great and uh, unfortunately, I, I was getting ready to do a movie and I couldn't stay there. But uh, I went back to LA and I, I started training with, uh, in Los Angeles and I started with the Machado Brothers. No, I don't do that. I don't, I don't wax my And Steve was one of my students. He's the one that actually got me into the business. Yeah, when I retired as the world champion, he said, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, I don't know, just probably and he said, well, have you ever thought about doing movies? I go, Steve, I've never done a high school play. But anyway, he kind of encouraged me to uh, pursue it, and I lucky, luckily I did. Oh, yeah, he was tough. He was a real tough guy, yeah. When he first started, you know, we started working out in about two months in the training. He just started to learn his kicks and his punches. He says, I want to f I said, Steve, you haven't really learned your techniques that well yet. And he said, I still, he said, I want to f Yes, all right, if you want to so we get up there and I send him flying across the room with a kick, you know. But I'll tell you, he gets back up and he says, that was good, that's good. And, you know, and he kept right on and I kept the daylights out of him. You know? <laughs> but he got, I'll tell you, he got better and better, though. Hail Satan! But yeah, hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris. Uh, let's keep that alive. If any yeah, of our listeners are, are want to have some fun, um, throw it out there on Twitter. And Put that shit on a it. sticker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I really think we should. That's a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. We need um, merch. Satanic Study Hall merch is only a couple of months away. I promise you that. No, that was it. Well done. Um, hail everybody that was involved in making that happen. Good shit. Yes. So last time we talked about um, asking our listeners for some feedback on any Satan-friendly charities, whether local to us here in the Philadelphia area or nationwide. We asked that because while we know we can, you know, type it into Google and look for charities, the few charities that are out there, um, we know that there's people that have connections or know somebody who knows somebody um, that might be able to shed some light on a possibility for uh, an organization to receive some donations. So just as a reminder, um, if you have any ideas or, or, you know, nonprofit organizations or charities that you have in mind, please reach out to us, whether it's in an email, um, on the goat farm, any of our social media, let us know. Uh, we'd be happy to, you know, to review them and, and talk about them as a team. And right now, this is just an idea, but the quicker some of you get back to us with some ideas, the quicker we can really get the ball rolling on some of the really good ideas that we've been talking about. Now, we also mentioned too, and we are going to take advantage of this last point is, no, you don't always have to donate your money. You can donate your time as well, whether as an individual or a group. Um, you can easily find a spot in your local community that needs some TLC, um, whether it's a park or a local highway or a street or just a neighborhood that might be a little bit behind on um, aesthetics, if you know what I mean. And if you are involved with something like that already or would like to get involved with anything locally with us here in the Philadelphia area, like I mentioned before, email us at satanicstudyhall at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media platforms. What do you guys think? I think that's a great idea. And we love to hear what our listeners are up to. Yeah, 100%, especially now. Um, I think I've said this before, but, you know, in the middle of an election year and there's a pandemic going on and just yep. a lot of bad feelings and bad juju going around. So sorry. Get outside. Get outside and make a difference. Get outside, period. We've right. all been stuck inside. Exactly. You know, as long as you're safe and socially distanced, you know, yep. just 
Wear a mask. Yeah. Not to be cheesy, but, you know, love each other. Love the people in your community. Love your environment. Just like Jerry Springer, be good to yourselves and each other. <laughs> hail, hail Jerry Springer. No. Hail Jerry Springer. Hail Jerry Springer. No. <laughs> I will not. Today's word, well, isn't quite a word, but it's a person. Meet Neil Brick. Neil Brick claims to believe that he was brainwashed to be an assassin for the Illuminati Freemasons. Neil Brick claims that as a part of his brainwashing by the Illuminati Masonic conspiracy, he was programmed to rape and kill without feeling. Neil Brick claims that he once murdered a man in an unreported incident in Europe. Neil Brick holds regular conferences wherein his delusional beliefs are propagated to mental health consumers by he and his co-conspiracists. At a recent conference in May 2016, Neil Brick expressed a concern that attendees could trigger mind control programming by touching their faces. Neil Brick imposed a prohibition against face touching and asked that people would sit on their hands. Keep in mind, this is a man who claims that his own mind control programming impels him to rape and kill. The implication is clear. Neil Brick continues to propagate, debunked, and disregarded narratives of concealed occult crimes from the height of the satanic panic. Neil Brick's propagation of delusional beliefs is a potential danger to mental health consumers under his care and poses a larger danger to the general mental health of the public. Neil Brick is a douche. Ava Satanis. And moving on from charity, uh, to be honest with you guys, I'm not quite sure where we're going. Anybody have any ideas? I have not a one, sir. We're going to hell. Can you tell us a joke, Bill? Ooh, yeah. A joke? Let's do joke time. I've never done that before. Yeah, I can tell you a joke. If you guys want me to tell you a joke, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me think. Thinking, thinking. All right, I'll start off with this one. Mathematics is the language of the devil. There are a lot of sins in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right, so I don't get it. Sins. Hey, I got a joke. I got a joke for you. Valedictorian, but I can't do math. It's okay. <laughs> I got a joke for you. What you got? You want to hear a musical one? Yeah. All right. I heard that if you play Nickelback's music backwards, you'll hear messages from the devil. But even worse, if you play their music forwards, you'll hear Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to hear Nickelback. No, nobody wants to hear I Nickelback. I want to hear Nickelback. Oh, Lord. I got another one for you here. What you oh. got? I just got kicked out of church because I yelled, fuck the devil. I thought we hated this guy. <laughs> Do we hate that guy? I don't know. Do you we can't we? hate someone that doesn't exist. True. That was my joke. How about this? Uh, an old couple decides to play the devil's tangle once more, like their golden years. The woman asks in a shaky voice, talk dirty to me. And the old man said, I shat myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What happens when the devil goes bald? There's hell to pay! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to dignify that joke with a response. Me neither. <laughs> And I got a good one for you. Who's, who would win in a fight, Chuck Norris or the devil? I don't know, Alan. Trick question. Chuck Norris is the devil. Oh. 
Hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris. Yes, hashtag. <laughs> All right, I got one. Uh, what would South Korea do if the devil asked them for a sacrifice? I don't know. What? They would give them their soul. Oh. <laughs> what pickup line do you use on the devil? What? Can we tell the one about the government? I didn't give my, I didn't give my um, oh, yeah. punchline. Yeah. What's the difference between the government and the devil? What? You can say fucking no to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give a chance to give my um to, to give my uh, punchline before. You never gave your punchline? Yeah, what pickup line did do you use on the devil? Did it hurt when you fell out of heaven? Oh. <laughs> wow. That was brilliant. No, really. It's pretty bad, actually. <laughs> All right, I got a particularly bad one here. What's the definition of a reverse exorcism? Oh, no. It's when you ask the devil to get the priest out of your little boy. Oh, <laughs> wow. We don't even need a laugh track for that one. <laughs> oh, no. We're all silent. Yeah, right? The devil whispered in my ear, you weren't good enough. You'll never amount to anything. I whispered back. At least I didn't lose my golden fiddle to some hillbilly down in Georgia. Oh. Hush. <laughs> Crickets. The devil, the devil ripped out my spine and ran away. At least I know he'll always have my back. Fuck you. I got I got one just as bad. What do you call it when the devil takes your car? Repossessed. Oh no. Where does the devil do his washing up? In Helsinki. Oh! Oh! I actually know that one. That's 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 the sad part. <laughs> oh wow. These are horrible. <laughs> These are fucking horrible. This is what you get for a free podcast. What do you call it? What do you call a daredevil that does art? What? Easel Knievel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that ending is great. What is the devil's car? What? The Antichrysler. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. <laughs> Years ago the devil's lettuce was a term for marijuana. Now it's romaine. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> I got a really bad one here. In a school club, I was talking about how every month I would perform a week-long satanic ritual involving blood sacrifices. Only the girls got it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Took him a second, yeah. Which number calls the devil faster than 666? I don't know, Bill. What number calls the devil faster than 666? Johnny, it's easy. You just say 10. Oh, shit. <laughs> what do you call a devil stealing corporate money? An embezzle bubbler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that one. That one was one of my favorites. God decided to take the devil to court. When Lucifer heard the news, he laughed and said, But um. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I know, she warned me. When Lucifer heard the news, he laughed and said, where does this fool think he's going to find a lawyer? Nice. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Should we do a white man, black man, and Mexican joke? Oh, wow. 
That was funnier than any of the jokes that we just read through, Johnny. Was. It really was. I mean, I have one, but um, it's a little long. But I'll try to remember it. This, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. See, it keeps doing it. I can't. That was perfect You're the timing. You picked that bit. <laughs> All right. I'm not doing it now. No. <laughs> All right, Satan appeared before a small-town congregation. Everyone started screaming and running for the door, uh, trampling each other in a frantic in an effort to get away. Soon everyone was gone except for this old guy, who he sat on a pew calmly. Satan walked up to him and said, Don't you know who I am? The man replied, Yep, I sure do know who you are. Satan asked, Aren't you going to run? Nope, sure ain't, said the man. Satan asked, Why aren't you afraid of me? The man replied, been married to your sister for over 48 years. <laughs> that was actually uh, wife pretty good. jokes, wife jokes. That wife was a jokes. pretty good one. I wonder if there's any satanic dad jokes out there. Probably. We'll have to do some digging. Satanic dad jokes. Hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> Satan. Are you a vegetarian? Do you have a distaste for Nazis and white supremacists? Are you fond of animals? Do you fear brown foods? Have you ever had an imaginary friend? Are you obsessed with numbers? Are you sometimes confused? Do you fear confined spaces, drowning, or, uh, demons? Do you have a strong sense of social justice and victim advocacy? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you might have Satanic Ritual Abuse Individuals with satanic ritual abuse and related conditions like Illuminati mind control should consult a conspiracy therapist immediately. Side effects of conspiracy therapy include isolation from stabilizing influences such as friends and loved ones, paranoid delusions, the total destruction of your family, addiction to sedatives or hypnotics, sexual assault, and filicidal ideation. I guess Belial has some of those things, huh? Could it be? Answered yes to all of them. All of them. Could it be satanic ritual abuse? It is time to dive into a very, very important topic that we've been wanting to cover for a while now, which is why we chose to end our satanic panic series with gray faction and uh, high level coverage of some QAnon action. So um, to preface this little journey that we're about to go into. I think it's important to let all of our listeners know, primarily we're going to be using grayfaction.org for our material. Uh, we just opened up the segment with a video that is on grayfaction.org, um, a satirical video, of course, if you thought that was serious, um, you should probably rethink, <laughs> <laughs> you should probably rethink why you're listening to satanic study all. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, that was a little bit, a little bit of satire um, about something real serious. Uh, that video is available on grayfaction.org under their Could It Be Satanic Ritual Abuse, which is uh, second to the bottom of their Conspiracy Therapist tab. I got a good laugh out of it, but at the same time, after diving so far into Satanic Panic mm -hmm. and doing all the research we've been, um, I didn't laugh much. No, I don't think I laughed at all until you did the Belial. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Not much to laugh about. Until our no, little goat really was isn't. proven susceptible yes. to these to these crimes. Yes. I think he was trying to break the tension a little bit. Absolutely. Maybe um, that's just all it was. It very well could be. Uh, Blyle, Blyle's unpredictable. He's fucking running around, biting my toes. 
<laughs> you just you just don't know what's up with Belial. So um, right off the bat, so like I said, we're we're going off of grayfaction.org. We're going to throw in uh, some of our own side research. We're going to keep this very high level for some of our listeners who might be relatively new to Satanism, the Satanic Temple, or be completely unfamiliar with what Gray Faction is. So we're going to split up some of these little um, frequently asked questions that we're looking at at the website. Um, and we're going to start with something very simple. Very first question on the frequently asked questions is, who are you? So, Gray Faction consists of a worldwide network of volunteers from a wide range of backgrounds, including mental health professionals, journalists, researchers, and others committed to fighting pseudoscience. Gray Faction's members include victims of conspiracy therapists, mental health professionals whose bizarre beliefs are transferred to their patients during therapy. What exactly does Gray Faction stand for? You want to tell us about that, Al? Gray Faction is dedicated to opposing the use of harmful practices in the mental health field, especially recovered memory therapies, which are responsible for patients continuing to recover, in quotes, memories of satanic ritual abuse, alien abduction, CIA mind control, and reptilian extraterrestrials long after the scientific community has warned of the dangers of these techniques. They focus attention on these risks by exposing conspiracy therapists. This is a matter of delusional conspiracy theories being propagated to the mentally vulnerable in the context of sanctioned therapeutic care. Gray Faction also stand firmly against reparative or conversion therapies. Gray Faction opposes the use of these harmful therapies because they are dangerous for the patient, their family, their community, and society at large. Are you anti-therapy? Absolutely not. Everyone could benefit from therapy at some point in their life. In fact, just about everyone could benefit from therapy at any point in their life. However, this is contingent upon the therapist utilizing ethical and evidence-based practices rather than debunked conspiracists or outdated theories and techniques that cause harm to those who seek help. I should be clear, our focus is primarily on how mental health treatments affects patients. We view patients being treated by conspiracy therapists as victims in need of legitimate mental health care. We feel nothing but compassion for victims of real traumas and false memories alike, as well as for all individuals suffering from symptoms of mental illness. Johnny, what is recovered memory therapy? Why does Grafe Action oppose it? Recovered memory therapy is any attempt by a therapist to retrieve allegedly repressed memories hidden in the patient's subconscious. Multiple therapeutic techniques commonly employed during the search can result in the patient's mind producing, convincing, detailed, false memories, especially when the therapist, unintentionally or otherwise, steers the conversation towards the preferred narrative. When the therapist holds odd beliefs, their patients can recover memories of events as ridiculous as alien abductions. Methods such as hypnosis and guided imagery may have valid use in other contexts, but when employed by therapists seeking repressed memories, the results may can be disastrous. Contrary to established mainstream science, these proponents allege the repressed memories are not subject to the ordinary processes of remembering, forgetting, and alternation over time. Instead, these memories are believed to remain crystal clear, locked in the sufferer's subconscious. While still producing anxiety and depression in the conscious mind, these most extreme childhood trauma cases, some therapists claim, could even cause the personality to splinter, and shards of personalities could be repressed too, in a condition initially called multiple personality disorder, and later renamed dissociative identity disorder. 
The purpose of recovered memory therapists is typically to discover the root cause of a patient's presenting psychological symptoms, such as anxiety or depression, by digging up supposed repressed traumas suffered by the patient. The proponents of recovered memory therapies argue that the true cause of their psychological affliction can be discovered. Only they can heal. Only they can healing. Only can. Oh, God. <laughs> only Sorry. then can the healing begin. They claim there. I'm done. Fuck off. <laughs> now, what's the harm if some people believe in these practices? Uh, although recovered memory therapies are deployed for the purpose of uncovering real memories of trauma repressed from a patient's conscience awareness. There exists no evidence that such a mechanism exists. Moreover, research has shown that the methods used in the course of recovered memory therapy can unintentionally create false memories in the patient. In other words, these practices can and have resulted in false allegations of horrendous crimes, including sexual abuse, torturous satanic rituals, infant sacrifice, and cannibalism. Now, can you tell us about the relevance of this in today's world? The satanic panic never really died. It just went underground. In fact, many licensed mental health professionals who helped ignite the satanic panic in the 1980s remain prominent figures on the fringe of the mental health field today. Many of them continue to promote the same conspiracy theories that the rest of society has long recognized as debunked. A great faction investigation revealed how satanic cult conspiracy fears, aided by licensed mental health professionals, helped inspire a mother to kill her own 8-year-old son, for which she was sentenced to 18 years in prison in 2015. Mental health care consumers and the public at large deserve better than to have licensed professionals propagating harmful conspiracy theories in the name of therapeutic care. Now, we are going to talk yeah. about that case. We are going to talk about that case a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Lucian actually has it pinned on his uh, Twitter right now. Yeah, it's one of the more recent and disturbing and, in my opinion, really important ones um, to go Just, over. I actually didn't hear about it until I started my Grey Faction research. I remember being in college in 2015 and... Not even I heard that this mm-hmm. had happened. You know, it's just so tragic too. I mean, an eight-year-old child. Now, Veronica is uh, is Grey Faction saying that child abuse never occurs? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Grey <laughs> Faction acknowledges the grim reality of child sexual abuse, as well as the deep and long-lasting psychological impact it can have on its victims. Our aim is to ensure that such victims find themselves in the care of competent professionals whose practice is rooted in scientific evidence-based methodology. It is a common ploy of conspiracy theorists to insist that any skepticism directed toward their ludicrous claims constitutes denial of sexual abuse in general or is indicative of an agenda to protect perpetrators. In reality, it is out of concern for victims of abuse that Grey Faction fights against conspiracist delusions being imposed upon them during therapy. It is important to note that the dispute regarding the legitimacy of claims regarding the satanic cult conspiracy and or the legitimacy of recovered memory therapists can in no way be contextualized as a dispute between defenders of victims' rights and those who deny that abuse takes place. The critical examination of claims related to satanic ritual abuse or other highly implausible narratives is remarkably different from casting doubt upon stories of victims of horrific abuses that happen all too often in the real world. Indeed, pursuing imaginary cults detracts from the efforts to isolate and persecute real perpetrators. Now, this is one of the things that me, me and you were just talking about, you know, offline, um, off air, as far as really driving the point home that us as Satanists in our journey and Grey Faction is not saying by any means that 
the child abuse, the sexual abuse during that we talked about in part one and part two of our series here didn't occur. That that's that's a message and conversation when I talk about this with um people, you know, people that aren't Satanists, people that haven't put in the research that just know the high level stuff. Well, what are you trying to say? Right. That never Some people really get happened? extremely defensive about it. Um and frankly, until recently, I, I might have even found myself being one of those people. Um I even with you when we talked about it was like, you know, we did agree just like you said, we gotta drive home the point. We're not saying that this doesn't exist um, because, you know, especially in recent news with Epstein, with the Lolita Express, I mean, it's totally plausible that there are these kinds of cases and, and sex rings that are rampant in our world. It's just that when you put satanic at the head of it and chase a um, like chase a, a fake deity, I mean, you're wasting resources, you're wasting objective expensive state resources that can go towards real credible investigations. No, I absolutely agree. And um, there's going to be a reoccurring theme as we, as we touch on great um, QAnon later in the episode that, you know, that that's that same concept of, all right, so you've got these people highlighting a certain issue, making it their focal point, putting it on satanic panic and ritual abuse and Satanists and Pizzagate and all that. They're taking real tangible fucked up cases mm-hmm. and trauma that people have experienced and classifying it under this satanic umbrella uh, all over again. And wasting uh, countless psychology resources to, to what? To brainwash children? I mean, you know, we, we talked about the McMartin trial, but even in the McMartin trial, okay, that's now tons of kids that you've implanted with these false memories that we just went over with different methods. In the case of Jude Mira, the eight-year-old boy who was murdered by his mother, um, a woman who was seeking the care of some of these specialized psychiatrists, uh, they had Jude, who was nonverbal, autistic, just write stuff down or at least try, or they'd write for him. And they'd just implement their own ideas of of what he was trying to say and these led to convincing his mother that he was under some kind of like demonic possession and to end his suffering she then decided to to eventually you know like uh make a concoction of pills and and force them down his throat and now this child is dead and the mother who was clearly delusional or susceptible to becoming delusional to begin with is is in jail and I never found out, frankly, what happened to these doctors. You know, most of the time it's nothing. Yeah. Are licenses lost? Are you getting jail time? Which, in my opinion, you should be getting. Mm. And that's why Gray Faction has 110% of my fucking support. Mm-hmm. What about ritual abuse, Johnny? Uh, because society at large looks back on the satanic panic with regret and shame, many who continue to propagate. The debunked conspiracy theory have dropped the reference to the devil from the phrase satanic ritual abuse. Ritual abuse in the context should be understood as organized abuse perpetrated by religious groups or nebulous others or outsiders as part of a ritual. These groups are usually believed to be widespread and multi-generational. There are some sick-minded individuals in the world. Let me repeat that. There are some sick-minded individuals in the world. Disgusting fucks. Yes. And some have likely engaged in activities that could be arguably be defined as ritual abuse. These should not be confused with, nor may be used to justify the bizarre claims of the conspiracy theorists relating to 
ubiquitous, secretive, worldwide cults engaging in systematic abuses and murders. Ritual abuse should not be confused with clerical abuse. The indisputable sexual abuse of children perpetrated by trusted community members of recognized religious institutions. Many conspiracy theorists believe that the ritual abuse, by virtue of being so bizarre and horrific, serves the function of ensuring all memories associated with the event or events are, re are repressed. Such beliefs make strange bedfellows of the likes of Alec Jones and David is it Icky? Ike. Ike. Oh, fuck that guy. And dozens of state-licensed mental health professionals. I like the reference strange bedfellows. Alex Jones, David Icke, fucking whack jobs. Yeah, and bedfellow, I mean, a good word to describe kind of these, uh, uh, what would you call them? The um, <laughs> kind of like a guild of pseudoscience psychologists yeah. <laughs> that all operate in, ooh, you know, religious specialties and um, found memory and, and just they have their own little specific niches of, of psychology. You know, one thing the biggest shame is that, you know, in, in thinking about, you know, the, the ritual abuse versus the clerical abuse is that, you know, you could see, you know, during the, the heyday, the, the high point of the satanic panic was that, you know, this got so much news coverage. This, you know, these people were demonized by societies large. And yet, you know, we're not really seeing that, you know, that, that widespread you know, targeted hatred towards these clerical abusers, if that makes sense. You know, you don't see them being, you know, like basically seen by societies, these, these scumbo, maybe locally, but not on a, on a widespread national level. These people aren't being demonized for being, you know, especially as, you know, as priests, as ministers, and doing this in such a wide scale as I feel that they should be. And I think I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. Um, I mean, I would agree with that to a point. I think the clergy uh, as a whole, I mean, you know, a lot of negative reps. I even know toward the end of my Catholic school education, there were priests that were actually professionally trained in being careful after, you know, the widespread scandal because they can't they can't cause another PR disaster with the church, even though it seems to keep happening. Um, the reason I would sort of maybe insert what I'm about to say is that I, I don't even know too many people who are as educated on the satanic panic and on claims of ritual abuse as I know people. Just everybody seems very familiarized with cl uh, clergy abuses at this point. Um, but in terms of being educated on the gray faction, what they do and the kinds of claims they, you know, investigate themselves and work on disproving when there's no evidence. I don't know too many people in my everyday life who even know that these allegations and claims are still circul uh, circulating. I mean, we know about it because we run in these circles and we've done a bunch of research on it at this point. Right. Um, I even saw it personally, Satanism out a little bit in the first place to kind of check out what I was starting to hear um, amongst normal crowds, but it, it wasn't, you know, as deep as all of this. Uh, so I think the more attention is brought to, uh, debunked claims and, you know, the work that the gray faction is doing, I, I think we'll get to a point where the hatred of, of pseudoscience will reach the hatred of like abusive clergy that it's at in this point in our society. And I, I really hope it does. And one thing that I found interesting when Johnny started out with that part was how they've dropped the reference to the devil from satanic ritual abuse to just ritual abuse. 
it's the same fucking thing. Right. I was just going like, to say that. Yeah. That, that drives me nuts. And, and kind of even taking a step further now, going back to our last episode, um, hypocrisy, where Al really dove in and told us some crazy stories about his experiences and um, his school with uh, everything that he went through with Father Charles and just the, those crazy fucked up stories and all the abuse that happened there. What frustrates me about this whole thing, and it's it's not going to stop me from supporting and trying to, you know, institute change, but it's it's similar, you know, the the reference you made to, you know, the the clergy, and then to you know these, these fucking psychotherapists. It's they're protected classes. They're they're federally funded protected classes. Mm-hmm. These conspiracy therapists, and if you go to thegrafaction.org, you click the conspiracy therapist. There is a fucking huge list of people that are currently still practicing. And I could, I haven't done the research, but I'm sure. And our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but if we did the research, how many of them are experts for the prosecution? Think about Probably that. Probably most of them. I'm going to take that progress on myself, and I will randomly update our listeners at some point. But everybody on that list, I, I swear, it's just under the fair assumption that most of them are going to yeah. be prosecutorial uh, or fucking experts, like mm-hmm. hands down. There's there's no other way around it. You're not going to find a defense attorney preaching satanic ritual abuse to get somebody out of a fucking crime outside of insanity plea. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and that's the whole protected class thing really drives me crazy. Um, I hope we can get past that and really get down to some hardcore, um, you know, fact-based driven accountability when it comes to this stuff. In terms of like uh, protected classes too, just on, you know, one more note about this, but the state who takes these cases on as if they're credible, you know, from the get-go without anything almost um evidence-based that's sort of in my opinion just a protected class too um i'm not saying that you know we shouldn't have trials or that but, uh, but i am saying you know the state of arkansas in my opinion was kind of a protected <sighs> class in that case i mean yep. you know you're going to tell the state no you shouldn't be just for lack of evidence maybe this should be um you know dismissed um or something like the mcmartin case where the state hires archaeologists and that comes out of a a tax budget, like a taxpayer budget, all these experts, like you're right. And the psychologists get paid. They have to dig in deep into the taxpayer pocket to pay, you know, experts like archaeologists to dig under a daycare and, or Lawrence and find fucking pastor. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris. <laughs> so I do have one question. Prosecute Chuck Norris. Go ahead, Al. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to this later on. Maybe I just haven't picked up on, on it just yet. But what is the motivation for these these therapists to actually pitch this, you know, satanic ritual abuse to to you know to to make these claims to coerce these you know children and spread these beliefs? I mean, is it just to make money? Is it? Just I have to- two answers. One of them is profit and money. A lot of them have written. Books again, niche based. Um, and if it blows up in the media, there's a case like a convenient case that ends up getting in the media and going along with it. Um, it'll blow up even more. It, it's great for book sales, as we've kind of seen um, with certain other characters that we've talked about. The other one, and again, you guys can give me your opinions, but from what I've read up, they are just people who do have their own convictions in the back of their mind they don't separate it from their practice and they've sort of set out on their career path 
to serve their ideology. A good example of this would be Shirley Phelps, the uh, or Westboro. Or Neil fucking Brick. Yeah. <laughs> Neil fucking Brick. Uh, exactly. Like Shirley Phelps, who is very indoctrinated in West, uh, her, her father's religion, um, and then goes on to get a law degree and practice law in the areas that will benefit uh, uh, shit. Fuck. What are they called? <laughs> The Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> it's not a bad thing that you, that that name slipped your head. That's actually a good thing. I wish I could forget their fucking name. Well, sorry, I'm about to bring them up again. I, I'm never gonna forget their name after Lucian's pink mask. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Attention, staff and students. This is your principal with your daily update. The Satanic Study Hall podcast is not affiliated with any other podcast or organization. None. Zero. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are hours and hours alone. Until we fix the kitchen and cafeteria, lunch continues to disappoint. Get ready for, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. John Milton, or whatever you're calling yourself these days, sorry bro, ghost sucks. The Drama Club is sponsoring pictures with Satan Claus or Santa Claus or which one is it? Either way, come dress for both Friday at 4. And that's all for today's announcements. Hail Satan. So I guess the, the question is, do you believe in your opinion that um, these starpists actually really do believe this stuff? I think it's on a case-by-case -case basis, but I'd say if... If there's this many of them, and I wasn't aware until very, very recently, you know, after meeting you guys, uh, I uh, there's more of them than not. I think, you know, half of them have to be in it for the profit, half of them have to be in it for convictions, and then maybe the, the rest that remain are in it for whatever else that... Like I, notoriety? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I, mean, that, that's I think what, that's interesting with the notoriety piece. Now, now, you said case by case basis, and I think we can take that a step further and sectionalize like the country per se. You know what I mean? You got you got the you know crazy religious you know driven you know deep south mm -hmm. um, in certain parts of the country or whatnot. But um, what also comes into play with you know the question you asked Al is there's kind of already these pre-written recipes for success when it comes to SRA in the psychotherapy field. It's, you look at people like, you know, Lawrence Pazder, who made a career out of just propagating bullshit mm -hmm. um, and ruining people's lives to line his pocket and then marry his fucking, you know, subject and <laughs> client. Yeah. Like, yep. um, but I, again, I think not only there's a recipe for success because it's worked, countless you know therapists have followed this design this you know almost manual to a t and and found great fucking undeserved success um but just like veronica said too there, there's got to be a hand you know i don't fucking think neil brick believes in anything that comes out of his goddamn mouth right um but there there there's got to be a handful that just like you said stand by their convictions mm -hmm. that you know are deep-seated in their beliefs and truly believe that you know this really is the underlying factor and you know it fucking must suck to be them but uh i you know can you blame them you most certainly can fucking blame them but that's why we're doing what we're doing and a scarier an even scarier idea than that is you know an individual that is doing this uh and you know like we touched upon in west memphis but someone who could potentially be out there just for the power of it, just for like, I have spent this much time getting my degree, opening my practice, and now I get to tell people what they think and what they remember. 
And I mean, I am in, uh, I, I don't doubt at all that there are people with those kinds of personality disorders who have gotten into the field of psychology. And a movie deal and a book deal. Yeah. yeah I mean, take, and a couple of those. take the mean, psychology degree out of, take Ted Gunderson. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fucking FBI, you know, FBI agent. That's true. And, right, right. And I think right on the lines of what you were saying about power, I think that's that primarily drove that son of a bitch. Yeah. We, I mean, this made me think of two things real quick. First of all, you know, it's a, not to go off on a tangent or anything, but, you know, it kind of makes me think, okay, well, you know, like these televangelists who, you know, live in these gigantic mansions. That's like, a great example. Like, do That's they, an awesome example. Do they believe, um, do they actually believe the stuff that they're selling to people? Like, are they really trying to send the good, you know, the, the, the good word of God or whatever to all these people and still live in these mansions? It's like, you know, it's like you wonder, it's like, okay, you have like, you know, these people who are, you know, of the, you know, of faith and that they get all these people and get all this money from like how many people actually believe what they're preaching versus how many who are like, I'm just going to use this to make a buck. And the other thing I want to mention, which I know we talked about a little bit before, um, before we started recording was the fact that, you know, it, it might seem, you know, to some people crazy, like, okay, how could you possibly as a parent, you know, think that your child went through this? And I think that, you know, me personally, I think the only justification to give to these parents, and these people that actually believe this exists is we have, as people have a tendency to trust and believe those in authority, those with more knowledge, experience, power than we do. I mean, you know, Absolutely. if you go to your doctor and say this hurts and they tell you it's because of this, I mean, yeah, sometimes you're going to be more skeptical and, you know, seek a second opinion or something like that. If you go to your auto mechanic, if you go to your, your priest with an issue, you're generally going to believe that not only are they, they're not only more knowledgeable than you, but they actually, you know, are looking out for your best interest. They're actually telling you advice to help you instead of just trying to make a buck. Like if you go to a doctor and they say you need surgery, it's scary to think, well, are they offering you surgery because it's in your best interest and they're smart enough to tell you that's the best option or because they want to make money off of the surgery as opposed to another thing. Like you go to these psychologists and psychiatrists who are like, you know, they want to give you pills because you've got, you know, say you have ADHD. Is it going to be because of you actually have ADHD? PhD or or whatever, just that's just a random example. But anything where they, they tell you, okay, well, just take these pills. They write a, a script, send you a bill, moved on to the next patient, instead of actually trying to understand and fix the underlying problem. I Does agree. that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then take the you know never-ending referral network in the men and in, in just the medical profession alone. Before, you know, you gotta go see my friend over in orthopedics. And then after orthopedics, you got to go see my friend in cardiac care. And then yep. you have to go get a prescription. And then you have to refill that prescription. Yes. And we won't see you until we've had a couple rounds of that prescription in you for us to be able to gauge effectiveness. But then after that, you got to go see a specialist to see if it's conflicting with your other medications. It's, I agree. And it's so, the medical field and the psychotherapy field is so clouded with bullshit. It's hard, just like you said, to really pinpoint and get answers to these really good questions. I think it all boils down to everyone out there as human beings has an agenda one way or the other. And we only have to trust that the people that we trust have our best interest at heart and are doing what is best for us. And that's, you know, it's it's kind of counterintuitive to think, okay, well, this person, you know, who's a professional is going to say, okay, you're going to tell me to do something and I'm going to go question them because obviously they're smarter or whatever. But it's scary when you can't do that, or at least, you know, you're, you're trained to think, oh, I shouldn't be, you know, questioning this person. They're an expert. They know what they're talking about. I don't, I can't tell if they're right or wrong. It's some really good fucking discussion already. 
-hmm. Like I'm really digging this. This is <laughs> this is awesome. And again, this might be a little different than the usual, you know, mix of fuckery and serious topics. But this is by design. Gray faction needs attention. It needs advocacy, and it needs your help. Uh, you know, tell a friend about gray faction. Spend some time. Grab a cup of coffee. Smoke a joint. Grab a fucking beer. Glass of wine. Go to the website. Scroll. Read. You're gonna get lost. I got lost. I, I've been on this website for countless hours and I still get lost reading the same shit because it captivates and pisses me off. And it's 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 pretty terrifying, in my opinion, you know, to read so many accounts from different people who, who haven't known each other, but who claim to have gone through very similar things. There's very, very like similar details in all of their accounts. It's they're taken to a you know, very rural place and adults that have easy access to them, you know, are able to just, just various, I'm not even going to get into descriptions because it's way too gory, but it's, it's just torture and it's murder and, you know, seeing other kids get murdered. Sometimes it's not even always like an adult that has easy access to you. That's keeping his Luciferian origins uh, a secret. So now we're going to dive in a little bit to find out who is promoting these techniques and conspiracy theories. So grayfaction.org says the nucleus of this network of licensed mental health professionals who continue to propagate conspiracy theories is what I like to call the evil empire, the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation. I think I'm fucking saying that word wrong. I'm not re-recording that. They're the ISSTD. We'll leave it at that. STD. <laughs> yeah. They put the STD in ISSTD. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. Yeah. Yo, Evan, if you're listening to this, you, we got to do something with that comment. We got to, you know, <laughs> hit me up. Um, well done, Al. Well fucking done. I come out with a good one every now and again. Usually like one per episode. So the ISSTD puts the STD in ISSTD. Um, but the ISSTD holds conferences and seminars throughout the year, attendees of which may receive American Psychological Association approved continuing education units, which are required for licensure renewal for listening to speakers spread pseudoscience and conspiracism. Now, that is bullshit. And that is terrifying. I mean, look at that, just that name, the study of trauma and disassociation. Okay, they're two very real things. And yet, this is, <laughs> Jesus, it's almost like comedic. If you read... Uh, Roald Dahl's The Witches, um, the, these witches that, you know, conspire and it's goofy, but it's a kid's book, but they conspire to murder children. They do it under the guise of being the association against child abuse or some like very long, intricate name like that. And this sounds exactly like that. I mean, that's sounds a little bit like trauma and too. disassociation, like really serious psychological things that people invest a lot of money to go to doctors for and. This sounds like a very official society, and yet they're holding conferences on... Oh, they're very official, and it's very similar to QAnon. They're trying to help a demographic under the guise of that, meanwhile, just fucking spewing bullshit and fuckery um, and just grasping on to, to, to people's fear, fear-mongering bullshit. Um, so what does mainstream science say about memory and trauma? Memory for traumatic events, particularly in those who suffer from PTSD is intrusive and persistent. From flashbacks to nightmares to sensory triggers, PTSD patients might wish they could forget or repress memories of the traumatic events that caused them so much suffering. Moreover, the more severe the trauma, the more severe the symptoms. Yet not all traumatic events result in PTSD. In response to the same trauma, some people may develop PTSD and some may not. 
Those who do not develop PTSD may forget that the traumatic event occurred for days, weeks, or even years at a time. This is normal forgetting followed by spontaneous recall, not repression. Now, those who believe that a trauma can be so severe that one represses all memory for the event have presented no convincing evidence to support their position. The overall scientific consensus that trauma severity and memory for the trauma share a positive linear relationship. In other words, the more severe the trauma, the less we are able to forget it. The more severe the trauma, the less we are able to forget it. it has yet to be overturned. Even if the scientific consensus were to be convincingly disputed, the fact would remain that recovered memory therapies can instill false memories. In other words, if it were discovered that people can repress memories of trauma as distinguished from normal forgetting and later recover them, this does not change the fact that recovered memory therapies can result in the implantation of dangerous and harmful false memories. Therefore, if our scientific understanding of trauma and memory evolves to accommodate the potential for memories of severe trauma to be repressed, and we believe this to be profoundly unlikely given the current body of evidence, recovered memory therapies will remain, in Gray Faction's opinion, a form of psychiatric malpractice. 100%. Wow. Now, one thing the ISSTD, um, I just want to call them the STD now. <laughs> I very well may. Um, but for consistency purposes, one thing the ISSTD does is they dwell on MPD and DID. Um, now, the modern tide of academic writing on MPD begins around 1980. The 80s saw a wealth of literature presenting the condition in very simplistic terms. Therein, a case is made that even a single traumatic event in childhood could be so damaging to the psyche as to fracture it into pieces or alters that are literal personalities within the individual. These personalities were reported to have their own life histories and accompanying memories, proclivities, tastes, allergies, and even eye colors. Memory, in particular, has been regarded as central to the condition ever since DSM-3R, uh, 1987. And memory recovery and processing was and remains the central component of treatment. Moving forward, now due to the catastrophic fallout from the satanic panic, uh, MPD, multiple personality disorder, has been the subject of controversy within the mental health community as well as in popular circles. Accordingly, the academic literature on MPD has evolved over the last three decades. Some of this was a little more than obfuscation intended to stem the tide. The devil's of dictionary. <laughs> Yo, beautiful. So we're going to do obfuscation. Mike's son's going to be so fucking pissed when I put that in front of him. <laughs> what the fuck, dad? What did I do? <laughs> so some of this was a little more than obfuscation intended to stem the tide of pushback. In developmental models of DID, for example, the condition is seen as sort of a coping mechanism for traumatic episodes that are part of an extended pattern of both trauma and love and support. In effect, an alter state here might not be dissimilar from a sort of more durable thousand-yard stare common in battle-induced PTSD cases. It would be a stretch to call this sort of state even a metaphorical personality, even if it had some behavioral components, rocking back and forth, etc., that were unique to it, it is a very far cry from the literal alters of the earlier writing. Now, there's a couple other paragraphs on there, but real quick, I want to jump into Sybil. <laughs> um, if you are not familiar with Sybil, Sybil started out as a book. Yep. It evolved into a feature film. Starring Sally Fields. Sally Fields. And Sybil outlines a woman who claimed to have what was upwards of 16 different personalities. I believe so. Yeah. Unreal. 
Um, we might, depending upon the flow of the episode, dive into Sybil a little more. But side note for our listeners, if you know nothing about Sybil, dive in. And after you research Sybil, read the book Sybil Exposed. That's really going to put some shit into perspective. And it's all going to kind of come around like a circle and make a lot more sense um, as you progress in your education of grave action, uh, pseudoscience, and everything that we're trying to dive into today. And and that'll help you. I mean, if you do it in that uh, order, you know, read the book and then see the film if you want. I actually started out through a very good friend, mutual friend of ours, um, seeing the film and not knowing everything there was to know about that case. And then me and her had a really intricate talk about it because she's studying it right now in school. And um, wow, it's mind blowing. Um, and just another example of how multiple personality disorder has been, you know, sort of portrayed in in feature films and in the media and, and giving a lot of people a lot of false ideas about what it is and how the diagnosis is still misused today. Even in modern day movies, the first movie that comes to mind for me is Split, filmed right here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Creepy fucking movie. Has anyone seen United States of Terror? No. That's, uh, that was kind of dealing with multiple personality disorder, but they handled it. I would say intelligently. They took it seriously. Like the, the main character had it. It was Tony Collette. I'm going to have to watch that. United States of Terror? Yeah, look up United States of Terror. Is it on like a certain streaming service? Uh, it's, well, it was one of like uh, like Showtime or something. If you want to look it up real oh, quick. Oh, it's on that Christian one. Um, Pure Flix, right? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so... Con- no, it's not. <laughs> We talked about Pure Flix a little bit last time. Ooh, Veronica almost spilled over her chocolate milk. Jesus. Is it time almost for spilled a break? over everybody's chocolate milk. <laughs> Is it time for a break? I think she's saying it's time I for a I think it break. might be time for a break, but... Um, Do we want to power through? We only have like 35 minutes left. Oh, just... We got to get to the Devil's Dictionary at some point. But we're going to say, we'll end it on, we'll end this FAQ section on this now. It says, what should I do if a loved one is harmed by these practices? Uh, who wants to take that one? I'll take it. Gray Faction is dedicated to exposing the mental health professionals that utilize pseudoscientific and harmful practices and the state licensing boards and other organizations that enable them. Gray Faction is interested in hearing from individuals with loved ones or who have themselves fallen victim to these practices as a means of spreading awareness of the ongoing conspiracy culture within corners of the mental health field and or to look into the therapist allegedly engaging in these practices. That said, Gray Faction is not equipped to offer hands-on support to individuals who are currently falling victim to abusive therapy. However, if you get in contact with Gray Faction, they may be able to point you in the right direction. And we will provide many means and many ways to contact Gray Faction, whether it be directly through their website, email, or social media. With that being said, Johnny, I'm going to warn you, do not fucking take the hall pass for me because I really got to piss. Um, we're going to take a little bathroom break. Belial's got to go too. We'll be right back. Hello there. Do you have moments doubting your self-worth? Do you feel isolated and often rejected? Didn't get that promotion? or better paying job? Or do you just need an ear to bend? Then Satanic Study Hall proudly brings to you Johnny Voorhees, 
Life Coach. Wait, 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 wait. What? That's right. Satanic Study Hall Zone, Johnny Voorhees, will answer your questions and give you the advice that you need. I, I, I didn't agree to this. I mean... This is what you get for not reviewing Ghost, motherfucker. Now do it or feel the wrath of my vengeance. Alright, alright. I'll do it. I'm gonna be such a dick about it, fuckhead. What was that? Uh, I, I, I said, lucky me. Read the letters already. God damn, you people don't fuck around. I mean, you already have letters? Alright, alright. Let's see what we got here. Uh, dear Johnny Voorhees, I feel like my wife is cheating on me and spending nights as a prostitute. What should I do? How am I supposed to answer this? I don't know. Try to be your pimp? Gee. Alright. Next. Dear Johnny Voorhees, no matter how hard I try and what I do, I always feel like I'm getting ignored. Next. Dear Johnny Voorhees, I have an itching and burning sensation coming from my nether region. I have included pictures. Ugh! Jesus. That's Johnny Voorhees, Life Coach, coming soon to Satanic Study Hall. All right, so um, going back to greyfaction.org, we're just going to read their mission. Uh, Gray Faction is an educational and advocacy organization whose mission is to protect mental health patients and their families from dangerous pseudoscience and discredited therapies, particularly in the area of so-called repressed memories. Gray Faction believes patients deserve to be treated using methods based on the best available science, directly in line with our tenants, mm -hmm. and with a spirit of compassion. Debunked ideas, techniques with a long record of inducing harm, and beliefs unsupported by evidence have no place in therapy. No place in therapy. Mm. Gray Faction seeks to raise awareness of practices aimed at recovering repressed memories and the potential dangers of their use. They look to draw attention to influ influential practitioners who champion these techniques and beliefs, educate the general public on how to be better consumers of mental health care, especially as related to repressed memories, provide an index of both academic and popular materials related to repressed memory techniques, oppose governmental support and subsidy for such practices, alert professional organizations to pseudoscientific advocacy and promotion, to urge appropriate authorities to establish and enforce standards of care and professional ethics to effectively ban the use of such practices, and finally, to encourage institutions and organizations that uncritically teach such techniques to discontinue or revise their approach. Any comments on that? What you guys got to say? What are your thoughts on the mission statement? Uh, I'm really, I mean, I'm really happy. I, up until, you know, I met you guys, I kind of started my journey looking into this stuff, and I wasn't even until... Um, I met various people in our circle aware that there was a group um, kind of fronted by uh, satanic organizers that, that looked into this and, you know, exposes these doctors who, to my knowledge, you know, not all of them are getting their licenses revoked. They're not getting jail time, as I already said. And um, for, for, you know, not a cult necessarily, but a group, like a national collection of these people to be just pushing these ideas with Satan at the forefront. <laughs> um, some of the things you'll see are absolutely insane. 
Um, and the Grey Faction has a great amount of resources, including, you know, and they're sad, just letting you know, letting everybody know ahead of time, because I dove into them, but um, video accounts that people who have these claims are, are putting up willingly, like through YouTube or how, whatever video platform they're making them on. And just, it, it's sad to see, because you're looking at them and you're like, what doctors have these people gone to? Like, how mentally ill, and now this, if they are mentally ill, it's on it's on display Yep. with nobody helping them. Nobody saying no um, people in the comments. Frankly, if you look at these videos, people kind of egging them on if they're Christians, you know, they have other Christians in the comments going, yes, you know, uh, speak out against the devil and speak out. Praise against Jesus. Like, yeah. Um, so I am really happy this existed. Um, you know, it was kind of one of the best things for me personally meeting meeting all of you um and and finding out that there was a group dedicated to at least providing a, a counter voice to to what's going on oh definitely veronica it was a pleasure to meet you too yes it was i'm glad your curiosity and valedictorianness brought you I'm leads just me down jealous, leads me how smart you are <laughs> <laughs> leads me down these kind keeps, of rabbit holes i wouldn't call alice very smart you keep skewing <laughs> the fucking trips curve. And falls down holes <laughs> now speaking of rabbit holes now i i think veronica's starting to relate to some of the the things that dennis was experiencing when he was really diving in deep to west memphis 3 and just satanic panic in the 80s it is fucked you can really get enveloped into these cases and the details mm -hmm. and the emotions that they invoke within you, mm -hmm. especially if you're even remotely interested in the subject. So uh, I completely relate. I've been down many a rabbit hole in my satanic journey, and I don't think they're going to stop. Um, insomnia has crept in. The more hungry I get to learn. And every day I'm on Twitter or I'm just researching in general or, you know, as my network grows on Twitter and I follow other smart, driven, educational people with viewpoints and perspectives outside of my own, I hear, you know, I got to check this out. I got to listen to this podcast. I got to listen to this podcast. I fucking like 30 podcasts to listen to. <laughs> Literally, like yeah. not just different podcasts, but podcast episodes I've written down that I have not even gotten to yet on top of all the research for what we have going on here in study hall. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I'd add about the mission is just to, to anyone out there who, who has any type of trauma in their life or is seeking any type of help, you know, two things. First of all, you know, if someone tells you in a professional capacity something that you know not to be true, then, you, you know, that's a huge red flag. Seek out a second opinion, seek out alternate, I'm not saying like alternative medicine or something like that, but at least another credible professional outside of that individual's practice to actually, you know, to actually give you their own, you know, unbiased opinion. And the it's other okay thing is, to get you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth opinions. Well, it's okay. Healthcare <laughs> in this country is expensive. So, I mean, I don't know about ten opinions, but maybe at least two or three. That or if maybe you feel more in rational. any way that, you know, a psychiatrist, not even just a psychiatrist, but a doctor, you know, you trust and that you've seen for a long time and, and you have, for whatever reason, second thoughts, you know, consult friends, consult family consult other resources right. and the other know, thing do I was your gonna, own research the other thing i was going to mention is you know if someone tells you and maybe this is just me being a, a, an atheist and a satanist and whatever you want to call it but if anyone ever tells you like you know trust in god believe in god whether it's a professional capacity or anyone in your family or friends it's horseshit if you need help you need to get help you can't you know just just wish it away or will it away or think there's some higher power. If you want to believe whatever you want to believe, I mean, obviously in the satanic temple, we respect people's rights to, you know, 
practice what they want as long as they respect our right to practice what we want. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to think, you know, problems aren't just going to go away. They aren't, they aren't just going to magically with you, you the snap of a finger. pray them away. You so can't pray them away. Exactly. Wait you, a minute. you need to get. You're telling me that those, those 10 prayers that I sent out on Facebook to be rich isn't true? No, you're, you're, you're sitting work. here with us, aren't you? That's the answer the work. question. You're still forwarding those fucking email chains, Johnny. Never mind. That's how you get viruses. Continue, Al. The, no. joke, the joke didn't work. <laughs> that, no, it, it didn't. I was going to look you. at you. I was going to fuck you. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I don't have the ring. Stay out, of, stay out of this valedictorian. You don't want to get involved in this shit. Yeah, I'll see true. you in the playground in five minutes, asshole. Okay. Can't. Uh, don't do it on the playground. Can't jeopardize my. Uh, pristine reputation next week on satanic study hall it's going to be bill and veronica (laughs) (laughs) those two will be in the nurse's office we're dead because we have we have recess before study hall i haven't haven't met our nurses i'm concerned number one are they conspiracy therapists number two are they hot i'm just saying yeah we need to check if the school psychologist is a conspiracy therapist and hot she vetted i want to know well principal pan that's our staff so Johnny, seriously though, take take your step. I want to get back to what you were saying because I I think that joke was was um, high level, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but what were you going to no, say? No, I think it's. I just think it's it's ridiculous when I see that on Facebook, and I see it, and people actually believe it. They actually believe that if you send ten prayers this, to somebody, that you're gonna you're gonna be rich, or you know you're gonna be cured of this disease, or. A family member is going to win a car. Or you're going to win this big house or something like that. I just think Stupid. that people take it 100% serious and it's it's ridiculous well, to on, see it. On the flip side of that, what I love is when you see those, like the picture of Jesus sitting in front of his computer. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, what a shame. Like Timmy didn't get 10 more likes. Now I'm no, going to cure his yes. cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love them. I make sure I, I don't even use the heart emoji anymore. I use the care emoji. Care. <laughs> I love the care emoji. I'm waiting for them to be like, Ten more default ones, like the the angsty, moody emoji. I want that one. Now we are going to have to talk to Principal Pan to see if our school nurses and our psychologists in the school are being vetted properly, because it's a fantastic point. But what exactly is a conspiracy therapist? Now, a conspiracy therapist is a mental health professional who transfers, intentionally or otherwise, their own beliefs in bizarre and um unsubstantiated phenomena to their patients via false memories or the reinforcement or the reinforcement of patients existing delusions the false memories they sometimes instill in their patients can be extreme bizarre and literally impossible making them excellent examples of how dangerous the search for recovered memories can can be to patients now after all if these techniques can convince someone they've been abducted by extraterrestrials how much easier would it be to induce false memories of a much more ordinary although no less devastating phenomena. Now, I'm just going to let the three of you, my fellow degenerates here in class, pick and choose some of these uh, quotes, but it says, how bizarre are the ideas that some of these therapists promote? We're going to read you some direct quotes from the website here that come from mental health professionals currently in practice. Let's go around the room. Al, you want to pick one and just read and tell us who said that bullshit? All right, here's a, a gem from Sandra Fecht. People are impregnated uh, by these reptilians in a laboratory-type environment, whether it's ETs or on a military base but uh, or underground. I've definitely heard a lot of those stories. And yes, those uhs were actually in this comment. 
In abusive rituals, witchcraft, not Wicca, abusers seek to attack evil entities, spirits of abusers, and demons to disassociated identities to harass and control victims for their entire lives. Curses, hexes, vexes, and spells are used to in attempt to inflict physical and psychological harm. Ellen Lactor. Ellen Lactor, just so everybody's reference, is the either first or second uh, psychologist that Gigi Jordan, uh, Jude Mira's mother who, who murdered, who later murdered her son. Uh, this was one of the psychologists that she sought out. The Illuminati meet every 28 years for a whole year during which Satan appears and tells them what he wants done in the next 28 years. Gene Reisman. Oh, it's a 28 year cycle. Yeah. I have not come across the 28 year cycle in any of my research. I'm so glad she educated me. <laughs> what was her name? Gene Reisman. Yeah. Fuck her too. Yeah, fuck um, her. I'm going to choose Neil Brick. Somebody had to. Yes. Neil Brick says, I have one memory of killing someone in Eastern Europe. It felt like that part of the world. He was sort of asleep and he knew this would happen. It must have been in the late 60s by the way he looked. He was some sort of up and coming political person. The CIA Illuminati didn't want in power. And that was Neil Brick who was just a, a huge fan of grave action, mind you. You know, um, I got drunk in a bar in Eastern Europe one time, and I think I killed someone too. You I think and, it could be related. You and Neil should get together and compare notes. I don't think so. I, no. No. I only did asshole. that once, Al. I feel like I did it a few times, you know, that happened. You're a troublemaker, aren't you? <laughs> now, if you want to get more involved with grave action and follow them on social media, I suggest uh, try joining their Facebook group. One of their entry questions is, are you Neil Brick? <laughs> it really is. Bill, I was so confused <laughs> while trying to join that group. You didn't know how to answer it, did you? I said no, and I have no idea who that is. And they let me in. <laughs> it's like internet security is like like a, like a fence door with no fence around it. You just, you know. No, I think I said yes, busted or something like that. And two minutes later, I'm in the group. Now, as a group, these therapists commonly distort and deny the widely accepted mainstream research that indicates their theories on memory are unsupported or contradict the best available studies. They treat patients with methods proven to be capable of producing false memories, including hypnosis, guided imagery, regression therapy, and more, sometimes without informed consent. They provoke conspiracy narratives that lack reliably sourced corroborative evidence. They insist that any skepticism directed at their beliefs constitutes an attack on victims denial of all sorts of abuse, and or an attempt to protect the perpetrators. They also provide a veneer of respectability by publishing in fringe outlets and peer-reviewing each other's work, like, you know, the STD group. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping there'd be laughs. Um, no. <laughs> so, typed amen ten times, maybe. That's right. I have to forward it two more times. Uh Conspiracy theorists often incorporate additional forms of pseudoscience, discredited therapies, and controversial diagnosis, uh, while generally overlooking or minimizing the very real problems that cause the patient to seek treatment in the first place. For example, a patient presenting with anxiety or depression may be told that their symptoms are a result of repressed memories of trauma of which the patient had no recollection. They practice at all levels, from social workers to psychiatrists, and in all branches of the mental health profession. Many specialize in the treatment of trauma, dissociative disorders, and eating disorders. Their motivations are largely unknowable. 
just like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. They really are. They're largely unknowable and quite frankly irrelevant. Bottom line is they're fucking doing it. Even if their intentions are good, the effect of their actions on vulnerable patients and their families is often devastating, life-ruining, imprisoning, murderous. I added those last few words myself just for a dramatic effect, but it's the truth. So that kind of wraps up what a conspiracy therapist is. And again, everything that we're saying is directly from grafaction.org. There is a section on here that says, who are the conspiracy therapists? Um, you're going to see some familiar mainstream names on here, like Neil Brick, Lawrence Pazder, Frank Putnam, uh, Ted Gunderson. <laughs> oh, Ted Gunderson getting shot twice with a laser gun. <laughs> Fuck you, Ted Gunderson. Um, Ellen Lachter, we mentioned her. And a bunch of other tards that I don't even want to say their names out loud. Um, do your research, though, and and find out who these people are. Avoid them like the plague. And read some interesting stories that hopefully will help, you know, I guess not personify, but help drive the point home of what Grave Action is here to do. Hail Satan! All right, and before we wrap up, um, I was thinking, uh, I got, since we were doing jokes earlier, I have one last satanic-themed uh, joke for everybody here. Oh, goody. All right. Are you ready? Always. Bring it. QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best one of them all. Yeah, QAnon. So our final joke of the evening uh, and unfortunately, as all of you, you know, here in study hall and listening around the world may know, uh, QAnon is not a joke, no. um, as much as it may sound like one. So, um, we're not saying goodbye to the great faction website just yet. They just posted a QAnon section on their site and we are going to refer to that, um, with just a little bit of. Just a little bit of commentary. I'm not breathing too much. We are not breathing too much life into this bullshit. Um, but, but this is important that people who may have had their head in the sand or may have a false idea of what this really is understand uh, what's going on with QAnon. So quoting right from grayfaction.org, QAnon is a far-right conspiracy theory that posits that an anonymous military intelligence agent by the name of Q is using anonymous forums to reveal to the public that Donald Trump is engaging in a shadow war with a secret cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles and child killers. QAnon began posting on 4chan in October 2017, before moving to 8chan, which is now 8kun. These image boards are largely uncensored and anonymous, allowing rampant anti-Semitism, racism, and homicidal ideation. Several mass shootings in recent years have included manifestos posted on 8chan. By utilizing code words and cryptic language, which are in fact just gibberish, open to interpretation by anyone that wishes to play spy, QAnon is in essence an alternative reality game that has expanded its reach from the bowels of the internet to social media, public events, and even Congress. Aided by unregulated social media algorithms that present people with increasingly unhinged and emotional content with no anchor to reality, QAnon has managed to envelop potentially millions into its bizarre cult-like narrative. As a result, it has destroyed lives, torn families apart, and is accelerating a form of political polarization that threatens to undermine democracy itself. So QAnon's beliefs. 
It is important to recognize that QAnon is another form of the centuries-old blood libel myth used to target Jews and other societal outgroups throughout history. Moreover, it's a rehashing of the long-debunked satanic ritual abuse moral panic that arose during the 80s and 90s. During this period, typically referred to as the satanic panic, and our listeners better be well aware of what the satanic panic is by now. They better be. There was widespread belief that a large, ubiquitous satanic cult was abducting and abusing people in bizarre rituals that featured infant sacrifices, cannibalism, horrific sexual abuse, bestiality, and more. Although families were torn apart and innocent people were sent to jail, every systematic investigation into the ritual abuse phenomenon has turned up zero evidence that such cults even exist. Unfortunately, many people continue to believe that satanic ritual abuse is a real thing. Hmm. Having grown uh, out of the same vein as the previously debunked Pizzagate conspiracy theory. QAnon followers believe that President Trump is fighting against a corrupt democratic satanic organization, often dubbed the Deep State, that controls culture and politics at the highest levels. They believe the secret society made out of celebrities, politicians, and other prominent figures such as Beyonce, Hillary Clinton, and Bill Holy Gates shit. run a massive human trafficking operation for the purpose of extracting adrenochrome. What the from children for use as a drug to promote youth and beauty. QAnon followers believe the drug, an oxidative metabolite of... Adrenaline, brother! ...is extracted from tortured and sexually abused children subjected to bizarre satanic rituals. QAnon has harmed legitimate anti-human trafficking efforts, including by hijacking the Save the Children movement, flooding hotlines with false leads, and perpetuating false information about the reality of human trafficking. It is also important to recognize that QAnon beliefs, like many conspiracy theories, are constantly evolving. Now we're going to quickly look at why do people believe in conspiracy theories like QAnon. Uh, conspiracies do happen. Governments lie, corporations cover up their missing deeds, blah, 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 blah. I mean, shit happens. We get it. Um, some of the things that people believe in um, do have some validity to them, but... Not in this case. Um, and unfortunately, some people latch onto this reality to promote hypotheses and theories about world events that are untethered from reality. Some linked, some linked to the think, some like to think of themselves as rogue investigators poised to unveil the great evils plaguing humanity, armed with a social media account and a YouTube channel. Some of them gain a significant following of people who similarly believe that they're in a club of heroes preparing to save the world. The reality is that conspiracies are uncovered by well-funded reporters and government watchdogs, not random citizens lacking expertise in the relevant field. Decades of psychological research reveal that people who buy into conspiracy theories demonstrate a need to feel unique, a need for or certainty, rejection of authoritative accounts of events, uh, hypersensitive agency detection system, reduced Analyt what is it? Analytical. Analytical thinking. Thanks, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Increased paranoia. Lack of in God, why can't I read this? Interpersonal Interpersonal trust. I, was, I, I ran out of toner. I'm sorry. Now Jeez. you're just showing off. And more. I like somebody that they can read the big words. In light of this research, belief in QAnon can be understood to reflect an individual's cognitive limitations and negative personality traits. 
Can't they like write these for dumb people like me who can actually read it? Again, it's funny that you said that because this is, we just read word from word, greatfaction.org. They have the new, this is right off of their new QAnon section. Um, and there's a shit more, a shit ton more research to be done. If you're going to give this topic, it's unfortunate due diligence. Uh, which I'd like to thank them for putting out there. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about this, but delving into the QAnon portion, I, I was just kind of really confused. Um Part of me, you know, can't really rule out the idea that the way Fox News and CNN are treating each other. I don't watch either, by the way, uh, because I'm not trash. But, you know, you occasionally will come across what they're putting out. And <laughs> you got to wonder, um, you know, how much of this is fuel to a fire that, that people are really kind of enjoying, en enjoying its evolution, enjoying digging into, again, something that doesn't exist and now we're we're seeing a really we're seeing media profit big media profit off of this conspiracy like we have in the past and you know that's really troubling um to know that there's got to be big names in both these media outlets that that know this is absolute trash and yet they still go at it it's sad to think that they're that it's that this conspiracy's evolution will uh, contribute to CNN's and Fox News's not only base, but income. No, I agree. And how much attention did the Wayfair bullshit get? Um, and that was, you know, under the umbrella of QAnon and all that bullshit. And um, just we're recording this pre-election. And the fact that fucking Trump wouldn't denounce QAnon, he, didn't, right. he said he didn't know who they were. Like, Well, I didn't know who they were. I mean, to, you know, to his defense a little bit there looking into this i was even like what you know i i can't blame anybody for being confused about this yeah, um, he, until we just read it off uh, with johnny's <laughs> yeah he knows he knows very well who these people are or i mean not who fucking q is i'm saying i mean he very well could but um there's no way he was going to denounce that fan base and put that section of the vote at risk and as we read there's you know, potentially million or more people that are you know, that are buying into this shit, that truly believe in 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 this. You know, and and all the all the attention they're taking away. Um, I mean, and Veronica was the one that really opened my eyes to this. You know, from you know legitimate you know issues like the whole the whole child trafficking thing. They're 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 putting this under the umbrella, and you know, that's that's their you know that's their big claim to fame is right. they're they're save the children. Yeah. Like, really? That's that's not their goal. That's, <laughs> I mean, I know plenty of people like that individually that, you know, fly under the radar under this, you know, mask and, you know, cover in front. You know, look at me. This is, this is what I'm doing. And meanwhile, their ulterior motives are just fucking trash. One could even say, I'm going to put my conspiracy cap on, but I don't know. Could something that crops up in the news this much with a with a vengeance, uh, could this be being used to cover up actual billionaire sex trafficking scandals like Epstein's right now who you know that story's kind of yeah I'm disappointed I just I just read about that in the news too and you know what's her Giselle Maxwell um Giselle is, is, that, is that her name or Gizel? it's Ghislaine. Giselle no, I call her Giselle I think it's Ghislaine no Ghislaine well she's Giselle <laughs> to me fucking Giselle I like Bill's better yeah, just, yeah his, but, you know his we, fake news they didn't learn anything from her testimony and that, that whole shit with the judge from Jersey that was a mess um, just like QAnon it's a fucking mess I mean the one thing that surprised me is I mean people believe what they're going to believe but 
you know, I referred to it as horseshit one time, and it's not because, you know, it's not to be taken seriously or because, you know, people's lives haven't been harmed by this. But, you know, in just reading the descriptions of some of these theories, it's just like bad fiction with a few, like, political and social buzzwords and the names of celebrities and politicians just thrown in there. I mean, you know, I could write better conspiracy theories than half of this garbage that's out there. And not to say that, you know, things like, you know, sex trafficking or, 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 you know, things like that aren't bad. Uh, you know, they're, they're horrible, but it's like, you know, it's like really like you're just throwing all these random things together and saying there's this big conspiracy going on. It's like, where's the basis of any of it? Seriously. Um, and I, th- I mean, if you want, um, I think what we should and could and should <laughs> end on is um, just because what I did notice about QAnon specifically, it's that it's kind of been assigned uh, well, people who have deep dived into it, they've assigned it like kind of a far right origin um, on the Internet. And um, I did also watch that 2017 lecture from Greaves. Um, and I have a quote from him right now, which I think is, you know, touching at the foundation of everything we've been saying. Um, and he stands up and he says, well, I'd like to be able to stand here and tell you that this is a problem of Christian counselors imposing a cosmic vision of Christ's own people against Satan. This is not the case. The satanic panic was able to take off because elements of the left and right were happy to come together to fight a non-existent threat. Um, and just like Al was saying, it's, uh, you know, it, it is ludicrous. Um, and QAnon is one thing that originated out of one place. Um, but this is is still, you know, going past the 80s and 90s, it's still prevalent because all sides um, of different organizations with different motives are coming together to buy into it. If you scroll down again, that list of video satanic ritual abuse survivor story testimony um, that I mentioned earlier on the Gray Factions uh, outlets, you, you know, you'll see various people they're coming from christian backgrounds they're coming from far right backgrounds they're coming from far yep. left backgrounds too um it's it's a bunch it's a very diverse group of people um who are buying into this and i think just because you know QAnon is in this case far right it's it doesn't do us any good to kind of point at one particular political affiliation and go, yes, oh, that's the source of where these crazy claims are coming. Um, if you do more research, you, you'll definitely find that claims like this still do exist. They're still very prevalent and they are all evolving. And that's what I think we need to come together, just like elements of the Christian, the atheist, the left and right come together to perpetuate these claims. We have to come together to discredit them. Absolutely. I I'm voting just... for you for president. That's Whoops. right. That is why she is the valedictorian. Yes, that and was brilliant. There's no other better way. Thank you, Veronica. That was beautiful. Thank yes, you thank all you. for participating and reading and um, and following along here as we dove into greatfaction.org um, and just try to educate and bring to light some of the good things that they're doing. At the same time, highlight some of the fucked up shit that is going on and that is still going on in this world we live in. But uh, to continue and not lose any of Veronica's momentum, we are headed right into our brand new segment, her brand new segment, your new favorite segment. Uh, Veronica's got a book review, and we're going to head right that direction. Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. All right, yep. let's roll.
just got a library book, and I'm so excited. Hey, everybody. What can I say? I sure am glad you came my way. Let me take a minute or two, and I'll introduce a book to you. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Reading is fun for everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Satan, indeed. Indeed. All right, guys. Thank you so much for giving me an outlet to uh, ramble about my my books and my reading life. I'm so excited, and I'm so excited to do this particular book because I think it is the perfect way to end our Satanic Panic uh, Part 3. I think it's an awesome way to end the series. We're going to be touching on everything we've talked about <laughs> in, the, in this past one and in the other two parts. Um, so we are going to be talking about Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, if that name sounds familiar to you. Yes, she is the author of Gone Girl. Um, this was one of the books she wrote uh, before Gone Girl took off. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, Dark Places. In the Midwest winter of 1985, the Kinnicky, Kansas Satanic Farmhouse Massacre horrifies the nation. The mutilated bodies of Patty Day, along with two of her children, are found scattered around their family home in a mess of blood, destruction, and chaotic satanic imagery painted all over the walls. Patty's son and eldest child, Ben, is immediately singled out for the crime and promptly sentenced to life in prison while Patty's youngest daughter and sole survivor of that awful night is left to stumble through a lonely life of pain, fury, and self-destruction. Twenty-four years later, a now-grown Libby Day encounters a team of amateur investigators who possess some different ideas about the case and assist her in tracking down strange characters from the past whose names and activities never made it into the courtroom. In this harrowingly written murder mystery by Gillian Flynn, we follow Libby as she resubmerges herself in the gory details of her family's murder while uncovering many dark and bizarre facets of the 1980s satanic panic. All right, it's a deep one. Um, the yeah, book Lib Libby's already got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> she does from page one, and I'm going to talk about it. The book was published by Shea Earhart Books in 2009, made the New York Times bestseller list for hardcover fiction, as well as received a nomination for Dark Scribe Magazine's A Black Quill Award in the category of dark genre novel. And I believe it then went on to actually win that award. Uh, so definitely didn't blow up the way Gone Girl did when, you know, it first came out, but I am happy to see that it got its accolades. Um I have a pretty interesting background with this book. Um, I avoided Gone Girl when it came out like the plague. It was just too mainstream for me. It blew out too quick. The movie came out very soon, and it was a good movie. I eventually did see it. Um, but I refused to read the book for a long time. I was kind of perusing the shelves of a Goodwill, as I, you know, I'm sometimes uh, known I to do. I love doing that, not to interrupt. That's one of my most favorite things to do. Now, that's how I found a book called The Celestine Prophecy, like years and years and years ago. It was my, one of my first. That um, title has my attention. Yes, but he's James Redfield. There's a three of them, but it's some Peruvian manuscripts found and it's, it's crazy, but no goodwill. I, I highly recommend that to our listeners. Like I know we're in COVID, but um, if your local goodwill is open or even just a local bookstore, go browse. It's so much fun. But anyways, that's my spiel. No, I totally agree. Um, And I encourage everybody to do the same exact thing. Um, so, you know, I'm in the Goodwill, I'm poking around the book section, and I see the, you know, a familiar name of an author um, that I've never read. I pull it out. It's Dark Places. It's by Flynn. It is not Gone Girl. And I'm like, kind of rolling my eyes. 
Um, but I flip it over and I read the blurb and something that stood out to me immediately were these three words uh, in, you know, a certain order. <laughs> and those three words were satanic farmhouse massacre. Oh, yeah, that's captivating. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sold. I'm going to buy this book. Plus, it was also probably like a dollar, right? Uh, two. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Range. Perfect. <laughs> um, so I go, I purchase this book. And I, I think it's uh, important to note that at this point... I don't know very much about the satanic panic. The baseline that I know is that Manson was blamed for Columbine and, uh, you know, people that I knew in my life had mentioned it in passing. I had no idea at the time of buying this book. I I was not as educated as I am now, not even close. Um, It is safe to say that this book was my introduction to the satanic panic, and um, I found it pretty thorough, actually. And it definitely pushed me to found out what I later was called the Gray Faction, uh, discover what I later was called the Gray Faction, and meet you guys um, and harass you with my annoying questions to see what you all knew. Um, uh, What stands out about this book? Uh, The sensory reading experience. For anybody who's read Flynn, uh, you can kind of see when Gone Girl took off, why it took off. It's a very sensory reading experience. Um, You know, if a tone is dark and miserable, you can taste, smell, see, and feel every grimy surface in that dark environment. Uh, You can hear the characters talk and argue with each other. Uh, You can pick up uh, just really, you know, scary traits about them easily through their actions and through, you know, how they present themselves, what they're wearing, what they smell like to other characters, um, you know, what they're saying, the depth of what they're saying and she she really paints when she writes uh it is really beautiful and in this case terrifying uh she's very raw again this is not in a particularly glamorous uh area of the country you're not dealing with glamorous people and you know they become real to you um it's awesome uh, another thing that, you know, I liked very personally is um, blunt class consciousness uh, and relating it back to the satanic panic. You can see how an impoverished family and an impoverished kid specifically is going to be more of a target um, without giving too much away about the book. But you can see what people particularly living in poverty, how the odds are going to be against them well, if they're ever in legal trouble. Yeah, exactly. Just right off the bat, uh, yes. stack against them. Um, and it's going to show you about how certain people in the community, because of their wealth and standing and background in the community, you know, if they point their finger at somebody or something for anything, how the benefit of the doubt, how the benefit of the doubt is going to, is going to lean in their direction um, mm-hmm. automatically, even without it being necessarily deserved. Um, it, you know, it, it, and, and it, it's a really great juxtaposition because it puts characters like that, you know, next to each other and in situations with each other. Um, whether it's, you know, somebody impoverished is dating somebody who doesn't have a care in the world, whether, you know, they're friends, whether a kid is trying to impress another kid who has all these resources, um, that's all covered in this. It's going to make you feel it. (laughs) That's all I can really say. It's going to make you feel uh, the depth of poverty. Uh, going back to blunt class consciousness, uh, the next thing is the Midwest setting. Just personally, again, I do not come from the Midwest. I have never been out, you know, towards the Midwest. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with what these farming families and what these farming communities have gone through. And this book definitely, I, I believe uh, Flynn is from the Midwest, grew up there. It's a 
deep dive pretty much into uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, how the state really screwed over uh, farming communities and farms that had been in families for generations, you know, were went bankrupt um, almost overnight because of state policy. Um, so I, I just thought that was a really interesting, you know, setting for this. Um, and I learned a lot. I like that. <laughs> Uh, one of the best things about this, in my opinion, is the rare point of view. It is from a survivor's point of view uh, without giving too much away. I mean, it's on the back of the book, but uh, there is a gruesome murder that takes place in a farmhouse and the sole surviving child um, of this murder. It's, you know, a fast forward into her life is is what we're getting. She is the narrator and the main protagonist. And it's mainly from her point of view. It's from a couple points of view, but mainly hers. Um, and if you've ever wondered just personally just something that I don't think has had enough attention thrown its way. Um, the siblings of uh, just the victims of the West Memphis Three, Christopher Byers, Michael Moore, Stephen Branch, what their siblings, you know, must have had to experience going forward in their lives. And they lost like, a, you know, like their other half growing up. Like yeah, exactly. And on that same note, just because somebody in um, this protagonist's family is being accused of this crime, also what did the siblings of... Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly, uh, like, what did their little siblings go through uh, for the rest of their lives? So this is, um, this book is from the point of view of a character who is, you know, not the convicted, not the defense, not the uh, prosecution, not the volunteer team that, you know, comes forward to try to get, um, uh, get the conviction overturned. It is from a you know, a, a child who had to grow up with this, basically, and what her life was like and her revisiting uh, revisiting all these elements uh, of the crime uh, when she goes back to do her own sort of little investigation. Now, is in any way, anywhere in this book, does, does it, is there like any therapy journeys? Um, like uh, For her personally? Because uh, that does tie into my next point. Oh, okay. I might um, be jumping the gun here. I will say... Uh, not therapy on her end. She does talk a little bit about her experiences in therapy. None of them are particularly awesome. Um, as you can imagine, it's it's a lot of trauma, but that's also what I love. Um, this book presents, I mean, it's a raw representation of trauma and mental illness. Right. So it is this girl who loses her entire family in an extremely bloody way and is made to um, think and believe and, uh, you know, uh, to her knowledge, all evidence points to a member, another member of her family doing it. So she is utterly alone and she is unlikable. Um, the first couple of pages, you know, you're flipping through them and you're like, this is a, you know, a, a miserable, sad person. And you're not sure if you're on her side. Um, but you kind of like how honest she's being just through her voice. You know, she's very honest about how lazy, how hateful she is, how she wants, you know, not like revenge on the world, but a type of revenge. She's very entitled because of her victimhood and still kind of hates the fact that she hasn't she doesn't have the maturity to overcome this hate. And she's running out of excuses. You know, she's sitting there in her early 30s and she's looking at this house that she rents and it's, you know, pretty dilapidated by her standards. And uh, she's alone with her cat and she really has no real friends, um, no family. The only I think it's an accountant who's willing to help her budget her abundance of donation money that she's received out of, you know, national pity um, throughout the course of her childhood. 
Uh, you know, she's out of money. She's out of time. Uh, she really had all the passion sucked out of her after this crime, um, as you can imagine. And now she's got to figure out a plan. And that, I think, kind of, you know, begins her journey, her struggling with her own demons, her own mental illness, um, growing as a person, and then pushing herself out of this comfort zone. I think it's also important to mention in her childhood or, you know, from the time this murder took place to the time, you know, we're reading the book, she doesn't really look back on this case much. Uh, you know, it's too painful, as as anybody oh, can imagine. Um, you know, your mother and your sisters are dead and, you know, your childhood house is taken away from you and you have to go live um, with family members who don't necessarily want you, you're not close to, or, you know, a series of foster care parents. And they don't have your best interest at heart. Exactly. Yeah. And you've never gotten, she does, so to your question, she does talk about her therapeutic experiences a little. We just don't know that much detail about them. We know that they weren't good and they certainly weren't enough to pick her up from the spot she is when this book begins. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and that also leads into consistent and intensely unlikable character. She is not the only unlikable character in this book by any stretch of the means. You're going to meet a lot of really evil people. Um, I was impressed by the level of just unlikability that Flynn, you know, put into these characters and the level of thought. Um, people who aren't and are involved with this murder, you're dealing with... I don't mean to interrupt this this wonderful book review with my stupidity, <laughs> but um, I just have a quick question about the other cast of characters. Does the author go into their backstories as well? Yeah, so that is another like kind of cool element, and not every, it may not be everybody's cup of tea. Um, outside of Libby's uh, point of view, there are two other point of views that actually flash backward all the way back to uh, eight, 1985, which is when the murder takes place. And that is from the point of view of her mother and of her brother, who was later um, convicted of the crime. Um, so you do get to see the, you know, the, the pictures of life of what her mom as a single mom of four kids and a farm to take care of is going through. Uh, you're seeing what her brother, a 15 year old, you know, high schooler living in basically middle Midwest farm poverty is going through. Um, and again, it's something that people lean either way on. Some people are not fond of flashbacks. In this case, I think that they were needed. Um, it really helps paint the entire picture. It is, you know, the, the main point of view is from Libby, who is, this is current day. We're going through her own investigation with her after these murders have taken taken place. So I, to me, it was cool to go back to 1985 and see just what was going on on her mother and her brother's side and her brother's friend's side and the, the you know, dealings that some of her mother, like her mother had with some other mysterious and sinister characters. Um, it was all really, you know, not just deep and, and full of depth, but, you know, it was scary. Uh, that, that ties into, you know, consistently unlikable characters. I don't think there's one particularly even close to perfect character in this book. There's a lot of sinister people um, who I think everyone is going to thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, and uh, I, I think you helped me, you know, wrap that up a little bit. I'm just going to, I think, finish here on the last point, which is relevance to satanic panic and, and you know, the relevance to satanic panic education. Um, at its core, it's a satanic panic novel. 
and it's very well written. The McMartin trial is referenced several times by several different parties um, in this group. It's part of what helps Libby receive her own education on the satanic panic is, is people bringing up the McMartin trial. So it does come up. Um, and it goes over all the important aspects of the panic that we've touched on. Uh, community hysteria surrounding Satanists, kind of the fun that they get out of just assigning, you know, these crimes automatically to the idea of Satan and what, you know, their own idea of Satan is. Um, the fact that it was like so in fashion and it just happened to, you know, be that way at that time. Um, impoverished outcasts who look different and listen to different music being singled out. That's definitely a big part of this book. Um, it's actually a little bit, you know, cool if, you know, you're educated on West Memphis, you can actually pick out similarities between uh, Ben Day, who is the brother, and, uh, you know, similarities between the way he's written and elements of, you know, Eccles and Baldwin's teenage presentations <laughs> that went on to get them, you know, uh, uh, suspected of that crime. Um, child testimony coercion big part of it. Uh, you don't necessarily see any scenes with um, child coercion um, while they're giving the testimonies, but it is touched on a lot. It's a big part of this fictional case. Um, and it was definitely my first introduction into like the idea. I, I thought to myself, like, child coercion? Like, wh like, what do you mean? You know, like, what does that mean? It pushed me to look into it a lot more um, and how prevalent it was and how prevalent it, it still is during these cases. Um, corrupt psychologists, really cool part, again, that goes along with the coercion. And, you know, you do end up finding out that there was this one particular psychiatrist involved in this case. And whereas the child was made to believe through manipulation that this psychiatrist was, you know, a really good, trustworthy individual. Oh, so she really keeps um, it real. Yeah. She really um, does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so what was your biggest takeaway from the book? I mean, how did it impact you personally? How did it make you feel? And um, How did it make me feel? I mean, it made me question. It, <laughs> it made me realize that there's not always a, um, you know, there is just because you are a victim of something heinous does not give you um, the right to not and and just because you're so set in that mindset and and so set on the way a story was presented to you um you know it's really not an excuse to not eventually seek treatment and you know go on your own journey and find out the truth it really had like you know your pursuit of truth that's what i got out of it and that's why i went on to investigate you know everything the gray faction covers um so much of the over the course of the last few months um it's, you know, no matter it, if it, even if it's something you don't want to hear. And even though, you know, in Libby's case, you're in a lot of pain, um, you know, don't stop for anybody, um, you know, in your pursuit of truth. Um, and, uh, you know, just going off of that too, she meets a lot of, um, passionate groups. There's like a, again, like we saw in West Memphis three, a very passionate group of people, who come together to revisit the case and pull every detail you can fathom and uh, reconstruct a defense. And Libby ends up, you know, <laughs> being a part of that. She doesn't think at first that, you know, it, it's ever going to be possible. But, you know, uh, you know, and another cool thing is in Libby's case, uh, you know, she meets a journalist uh, on this, you know, little investigation trip she's going on, uh, who's actually kind of 
willing to come to terms with, you know, the level of, of coverage that they did several decades later and the fact that um, the way that their publications exploded uh, may not have helped everybody in the most favorable way. So she does get to have that conversation with a specific journalist um, about that case. And I think that conversation was uh, really, really good. It was a short portion of the entire book, but I think that conversation was really enlightening. And uh, it was it gave a pretty cool summary of the satanic panic. So just that conversation, her, her character conversation with that journalist alone um, is what pushed me further into doing my own real life research. And a lack of courtroom evidence that, you know, is kind of ties into the fact that you know, this is also a murder mystery. If you like true crime podcasts or any kind of mystery genre, I think you'll really, really like this book because uh, it, you know, delves into specific, uh, you know, specific courtroom evidence. What was there? What was not there? There is a lot of that. There's a lot of technical legal language um, on top of just really illustrative writing. Uh, that I think people who are fans of a lot of different genres um, are really going to like if you, you know, pick this up and finish it. Um, and maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of satanic ritual activity that goes on in this book. Just maybe. Belial's mm. excited. He's sold. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sold. I'm sold too. But I don't know. There may be, there may not be. I don't know. You're going to have to pick it up and read it. It's a cliffhanger. I'm adding this to my library. Um, And that is Dark Places by Gillian Flynn. Uh, Again, if you're willing to learn anything more about the subject matter, I think, you know, though it is fictional, there are highly realistic elements in it that have been consistent throughout these last, what are we going on? Four or five decades of satanic panic? Yep. Yeah. Please read it. It is awesome. Read Gone Girl. Uh, I think Gillian Flynn definitely deserves all of the praises she has gotten as a writer thus far in her career. Um, I loved it. It's one of the best books I've read this year. So we're going to do. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know I personally give your book review five pentagrams, but um, let's let's do the whole let's do the whole pentagram rating. So if we're going to rate this book, uh, how many uh, how many pentagrams would you give? Four and a half pentagrams. Four and a half pentagrams. All right. Well, that is the official new um, record to beat, the the inaugural book review. Um, so the next one, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but 4.5 yes. out of five pentagrams. And, of course, five pentagrams for you, Veronica. Thank you so much. Yes, that was definitely. fucking Great job. awesome. Thank you um, for letting me nerd ramble about dark places. Hit us up. If you're in the goat farm, interact with us. We can talk about this. Uh, Veronica's in there. Johnny's in there. Al's in there. I'm in there. Dennis is in there. Um, all of our awesome, you know, super participatory patrons, Alex, um, you know, Darren, Manaz, and Kat, and, you know, Al, who's, you know, here now. Um, jump on. Let's continue the conversation and uh, let us know what you think. So once again, thank you, Veronica. Hey, we are going to quickly dive through social media. Um, Patreon has been pretty still for since the last time we recorded. So big shout out to all of our VIP patrons. You know who you are. We are going to shout out how to get in touch with us on social media real quick. Just to remind you, um, outside of the goat farm, you can find us on Facebook at satanic study hall. Just look up satanic study hall. You will find us. Um, we talked about the goat farm, but if you're looking it up on Facebook, that is satanic study hall presents the goat farm. Instagram, we are at Satanic Study Hall. 
Twitter, which I am having so much fun with. Dennis got me fucking addicted. And I don't know. The Twitter game has been fantastic. Shout out to the proper order of Doug's. Hashtag prosecute Chuck Norris. Um, yeah, we're having a lot of fun on there. We are at Satanic SH. That is capital S for Satanic and then a capital S and then H. It does make a difference, apparently. And Patreon. Patreon.com slash Satanic Study Hall is where you can check us out and consider supporting the podcast. We fucking love you all, number one, but our patrons are a special group of people and they're growing. We just uh, hit 30. So there is one shout out that I will. I'll make an exception and that is to Glow. Uh, good looking out, Glow. Glow was number 30 and that is something to fucking celebrate. Yes, thank you very much. If thank I had you. some hand clapping and cheering and everything on my soundboard, Thank you, Glow. Uh, I do need to get some more audio on this this soundboard and, and get it popping. So that social media aside, we are going to say goodbye. Uh, but before we do that, we are ending on a video which is available on Gray Faction. It came out on April 30th, 2020 of this year. This is Hexanox 2020 video, a video that Lucian and the Temple put out. Um, it says editing and music were by Nick Ramsey. And it says, for more information, you can reach out to D. Corydian Hammond. And there's a website on Gray Faction and their resources page. So in a nutshell, uh, Hexanoct is an occasion that honors those who fell victim to superstition and pseudoscience, whether by witch hunt, satanic panic, or other injustice. The history of Hexanoct Walpurgis night is known as the eve of the Christian feast day of St. Walpurga. And that is April 30th is when the, the Satanic Temple celebrates Hexanach. This video, um, I feel, is an absolutely fantastic way to wrap up this long series that we've, we've dove into in the Satanic Panic. Um, and before I play that, Johnny, I want to thank you. Um, thank you so much from, you know what I mean, the 90s Manson reviews, to all the research that you did with the cases and listening to all the, the psychobabble bullshit as we recorded. Um, same thing to Dennis. Dennis put a shit ton of fucking work and effort into research and got super invested and passionate about the things that he learned. Uh, Veronica, Ray, Ray, you know, moving on to the table. Um, everything that you've contributed, like you, not only did you come just to say hi, but you, you know, you came in like a fucking, like a hurricane. You she came did. in and tore shit up and I love it. Um, I had a lot of fun over the, the course of these three, four episodes that we've spent on this. And uh, brother, father, Al, what are we going with? You can call me Al. You can call me. I will do it too. <laughs> uh, I will call you Al. And thank you for being here too. Um, we got a good thing going here at Satanic Study Hall. Lots of good stuff on the horizon. And once again, before we play this, I wanted to thank all of our listeners. Thank you all. This has been so much fun so far. And... I'm not going to say the sky's the limit, but the sky's the fucking limit. Like we're having a blast and this is becoming much more than a podcast. And that is because of everybody who lets us borrow their ears for a few hours a week. Definitely. So on that note, I will cue our microphones down and turn the audio up. And then their children started making allegations as well, right? I don't think they started making allegations. I think they were coerced into making allegations. By who? Their parents that were taking them to psychologists. I think the psychologists coerced them into thinking and saying things 
because the child's not going to say something that didn't happen. The child's going to listen to who's talking and it the seed. Therapy damaged the father and awarded him half a million dollars. Jan Downing of Newbury, Massachusetts says her therapist did anything but heal. Who say they've been falsely accused. Accused by children in their 30s and 40s who didn't remember the abuse until they went to a therapist. There are now more than 3,000 of these families. Hexenacht. Today we remember all the victims of superstition and pseudoscience, subjected to witch hunts, satanic panic hysteria, and other brutal injustices. We remember those murdered for their alleged or actual belief in alternative religions, or no religion at all. We remember the accused witches burned at the stake. We remember those martyred for daring to espouse scientific truths and offend the godly. We remember those ostracized for exposing pseudoscience. We remember the enduring damage of the ongoing satanic panic. We remember the exploited children pressured to falsely incriminate their parents. May it never happen again. We remember the trauma of psychiatric patients drugged and manipulated into believing themselves victims of an elaborate cult conspiracy. May it never happen again. May it, May it never, never happen, happen again. again. We remember the falsely accused, the innocents imprisoned for decades, some still languishing behind bars. May it never happen again. May, May it, it never, never happen, happen again. Families destroyed by recovered memory pseudoscience, fathers missing weddings, mothers deprived of grandchildren, grown-up sons and daughters racked with guilt, struggling to reconnect with the parents they accused. May it never happen again. May it, May never, it never happen, happen again. again. Most importantly, we remember the fight continues. May the satanic panic end once and for all. Hail Satan. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan.